Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. My name is Luke Rudowski here of thebestpoliticalshow.com as we are going to be going live for the next two hours with some of the most interesting, fascinating, and pretty funny conversations surrounding all the latest events that are unfolding right now as, of course, there's a lot to talk about, especially when it comes to all the news coming out of Ukraine that some people say is unraveling. There's a lot of corruption that is being exposed. There's a lot of interesting information on Navalny released by the Ukrainians. Was there an assassination attempt on Tucker Carlson? Well, there's going to be a lot to discuss here as, of course, we also got the news of Lord Jacob Rothschild's passing. We're going to be talking about that plus a lot more all for the next two hours. So, Make sure to share this broadcast with your friends and family members. It is more imperative than ever, as, of course, you guys sharing the broadcast literally gets it out there to the general public. If it wasn't for you guys sharing these videos, these videos wouldn't be getting out there to the general conversation, and we greatly appreciate you guys doing that. All it takes is a double-click, copy, paste, send it to someone, and it really does make the biggest difference when it comes to supporting independent media. Another way that you can support us and be a part of this conversation is by simply signing up to lukeunfiltered.com and then by doing so you guys get the access and ability to call into the show and ask us whatever questions you want in about an hour and a half from now so sign up to lukeunfiltered.com we're also going to be having a members only meetup this Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, only for members of LukeUnfiltered.com. So, of course, you get many perks, many advantages, all just by becoming a member of LukeUnfiltered.com. My, my team will be sending that into the chat room right now, so you guys could very easily click on it. Another way that you guys could participate in the conversation is by going to MySuperChat.com, also something that is in our description, and your Super Chats actually get to show up on screen and and there's only a 3% service charge on mysuperchats.com. If, of course, you use uh, YouTube Super Chats or Rumble Rants, uh, we, of course, will accept those and we'll be trying to read all of those during this broadcast. But uh, MySuperChats.com just uh, absolutely outperform all of those other platforms. And we definitely appreciate all of your support, all of your participation in this independent media organization. As, of course, we strive for us to have the best political conversations. And this is why we call ourselves the best political show.com. And joining us for this conversation are two very interesting human beings from polar opposite locations inside of the United States, the first of which is Laverne Spicer. Laverne, for the people who might not know you, who are you and how would you introduce yourself? Well, I'm Laverne Spicer. Um, a little about myself. Um, I founded a program many years ago, 30 years ago, um, in my community, and I provide food, clothing, shelter uh, for those that are in need, and we provide that service for over 1,500 people every week. Week, And um, like I said, something I have been doing for a while, that's my passion, um, helping others, especially people that are having a hard time making it through. So being that that's my passion, it led me to the doorsteps of politics. And that's why I decided to run for Congress. And thank you, Luke, for having me on today. Thank you so much for um, coming on the broadcast. You might be a representative of, of this very area, which would be really awesome to, uh, of course, get to know more of your policies, more of your uh, you know things that you would be implementing as a politician. So thank you so much for joining 
us. Another person joining us for this conversation is a man from the north, and that, of course, is Jay Noon. Jay, for the people who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Well, uh, I'm uh, Jay Noon from uh, New Hampshire, uh, very active in the libertarian uh, free state movement up there. And uh, my intention, uh, my, my passion, what I'm working on now is uh, reinstating confidence in mankind, basically by teaching young children how to earn their dopamine hits via learning skills. So when they become adults, they're useful, competent, and valuable. Uh, so they don't get into positions where they're needing to be you know, receiving food and you know, help from you know, organizations and, or, or even the state. Uh, so uh, my passion is uh, to, to get people to uh, convince people to uh, invest in our paradise, uh, invest in our posterity, and to you know make that a, a major priority. Uh, so that's pretty much what I'm about. Jane Yoon also took me in uh, a couple years ago when uh, New York City was under lockdown and uh, showed me the way of life on the farm. So I appreciate uh, Jay. We definitely do go back quite a while. We spent a lot of time together up in the free state of New Hampshire. Lots to discuss there, especially with all the current events. And Clint, Clint is also here. Uh, that last girlfriend is, uh, is uh, definitely an upgrade there, I have to say. She's one of my favorites. Thank you, Luke, for acknowledging <laughs> how good I'm doing in the dating market. Uh, Clint hey, he's a busy man. Okay. <laughs> he's always, I'm like, hey, we got to do this. We got, I'm, he's like, I'm busy. I'm busy. I can't do it. And I'm like, Damn. It's Damn. just, it's just. I mean, when you're dating a new girl every week, it's challenging. Uh, Clint Russell. Give them a break, Clint. <laughs> like, come on. Like, there's, there's, none, there's, none, there's none left for, so, for so, all the bachelors sometimes, here. Sometimes, according to Luke, I'm, I'm dating three new ones a week, so it's very, very aggressive. Clint Russell, host of Liberty Lockdown, co-host of Tower Gang, which you should not watch, uh, at Liberty Lockpot on X. If you want to support my work, you can subscribe there or follow me there. Liberty Lockdown on Instagram, and uh, yeah, Liberty Lockdown used to be on YouTube, but I'm stuck right now, so make sure you don't miss me on Rumble. New episode dropping tonight. We got Steph on the buttons. Steph, we are changed here on the buttons, and when Clint says you should not watch that show, I'm telling you don't, because I, I tuned in. I was curious. I did it. I wish I never did. I saw things I can never unsee. That's right. Yeah, we're going to be bringing that up on Rumble uh, <laughs> when we could discuss this freely, as, of course, uh, Stephanie has some very serious questions for Clint, uh, which Clint uh, should definitely answer. But let's just get right into the news, as, of course, there's a lot that's unraveling right now when it comes to the United States' involvement in Ukraine. As Mario Nafal just tweeted, quote, CIA Ukraine leak end is near. Now, this is according to Sputnik, a news organization tied to the Russian uh, government. How much could we trust this actual source? Well, they're, they're quoting a former CIA analyst, Larry Johnson, who allegedly said, quote, the leak's publication is a sign that the end is near for Ukraine. The rats are starting to leave the sinking ship. This is their way of saying that it's not the fault of the United States. You know, we did everything we could. It's these crazy Ukrainians, as there's been a lot of revelations, including the latest of one, according to the Russian government, of the Ukrainians trying to take out Tucker Carlson. Yes, there's a video from a Moscow man that was arrested by special Russian security forces that is on video alleging to, of course, be working for the Ukrainians when it comes to plotting to put an explosive on Tucker Carlson's vehicle in order to, quote, take 
him out. This is a major story, a major bombshell. Everyone is talking about this. A lot of people are raising some concerns about the validity of this. Is this true? Is this not? Why is this information being released right now? Well, this has sparked a lot of interesting conversations. I don't know if you guys were able to kind of take a look at it, but uh, I don't know about you guys, but I have a lot of questions about this. Uh, what about you? Well, my question would be, you know, you got a guy who's claiming to be an uh, you know, Ukrainian agent. Uh, that sounds a little suspect to me right there because you, you think that if he was actually trying to take out, you know, somebody, he would, you know, make, unless that was his job to make it look like that's what he was, you know, doing or attempting to do to sort of, sort of stir up things even more because they... I think they need to get the American people more upset uh, with Ukraine or, or with the Russia-Ukraine thing because a lot of the people I talk to are like, we don't want this war. We don't want. I, I don't know anybody who wants any money funding the Ukraine war. That's an American myself. So I think that this is just to, you know, drive a wedge harder maybe or, or to get more support for the war. Yeah, my, my question automatically from this was, are, is, is Ukraine really willing to go as far as to take out America's previous number one news anchor and if they if they if they actually did go through with this plot this would uh, of course anger a, a lot of americans who they need to of course to finance their larger military operations as of course right now the ukrainian government is asking the united states for 60 billion dollars as the united states military empire is literally bringing out paid actors to make videos saying hey guys give Ukraine more money so they could fight this pointless war that many military strategists say that they can't freaking win here. So there's a lot at play here. There's a lot of negotiations. The government is still trying to give them $60 billion. And uh, Laverne, just to ask you, if you were a, a U.S. representative, would you give $60 billion to Ukraine? No. And I don't think that they should be getting any more of our taxpayer dollars what about the american people what about the veterans that are staying in the streets that are homeless we need to put this country first we need to put them taxpayers first and stop sending all the dollars to ukraine to support that country Absolutely. And uh, when, when looking at this specific story here, I, 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 again, have so many questions because it's like, why would they jeopardize everything? But then you look at what happened to Gonzalo Lira, a, a person who was a critic of the Ukrainian regime, who, of course, was imprisoned. According to his own uh, accords, he was tortured and then he was, of course, released in prison again and then died in custody under the Ukrainian uh, government that, uh, of course, didn't really give us a lot of answers to what really happened to him. As, of course, he came out and said, hey, if I get arrested again, it's going to mean that my life is going to be over. I'm going to be losing my life if I get in prison again. He was in prison again. And, of course, there hasn't been a, a lot of uh, kind of recognition of this. The corporate media in America hasn't even really talked about an American citizen that died in Ukrainian custody, as there are some very serious questions and allegations that, of course, are, are, are raised at the Ukrainian government's treatment of him. And uh, the only person who really did care about this was uh, individuals like Tucker Carlson, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, and a lot of people on the right. But uh, overall, the people on the left have been silent about this. When a journalist, uh, a commentator, someone who, again, is an American citizen, lost their life in Ukraine, and then the American people just don't care about this, 
Did the Ukrainian people think, hey, maybe we could get away with this? And I say, and, and, I, and I should fix myself because it's not the Ukrainian people. It's essentially the Ukrainian oligarchs, the bureaucrats, the, the people who are connected to the U.S. intel agencies that have been working with the Ukrainian bureaucrats for over a decade now when it comes to, of course, creating this larger war against Russia. What were the Ukrainians thinking here? I don't know, uh, Clint, but that's something that I'm asking myself. Well, I think that the the obvious rationale would have been that their plan, assuming this story is legitimate, which as we detail, detailed just a second ago, we're not sure. It's it's very early reporting, but if it's legitimate, I think that the it would have been ran as an op to blame the assassination attempt on uh, on Russia to try and bolster support amongst the American people for additional aid to Ukraine, because obviously, had Russia actually been responsible for that, I would have been the first going like that's. Terrible. That's yeah, absolutely. But, but no one, but no one would have blamed Russia. Uh, everyone would have blamed Ukraine for trying to stop this interview. Um, and if you look at the Ukrainians and their unconventional warfare, they have, they have, they have taken out journalists. They have taken out YouTubers. They have taken out very prominent political commentators in Russia for voicing their, uh, um, you know, political expressions against Ukraine. So they did this before. And if if he if Tucker Carlson would have you know been affected by this. Um, I think everyone automatically would have been like, that's Ukraine who did this. I, I, I mean, I think that you and I would have. I think that the, the narrative, assuming, again, assuming this story is true, I think that the narrative would have been that Russia was responsible or some sort of uh, you know, revolutionary element within Russia was responsible. I don't think that it would have been laid at the feet of Ukraine. Now, now to, to Luke's point earlier about how no one seems to care about Gonzalo Lira, I'd also like to point out that the Democrats, uh, by and large, don't discuss Julian Assange. They don't talk about Edward Snowden. They don't talk about really any sort of press freedom or, or speech rights or anything like that. This is really a relic of a Democratic Party that has perished long ago. So I think that it's, it's time for people to just acknowledge like the best lefties I know have all left the Democratic Party because they are so disgusted with it because they don't care about press rights. They don't care about press freedom. Um, so it doesn't surprise me at all that they've turned a blind eye to both Julian Assange as well as uh, Gonzalo Lira. Yeah, I mean, if we look at this story right now that is being reported from predominantly Russian sources, we have uh, allegedly a confession from this guy. We have a video of this guy saying specifically that he was given the task to put an explosive device under the car of Tucker Carlson, and he then details how his plan was thwarted, as, of course, when he was working on it, he was detained during the, quote, preparation stages. So, Luke, Luke the, the reason my rationale, like, I'm trying to understand your logic here. If, if the Ukrainians were actually plotting to do this, and are you... Is it your impression that they would have taken credit for it had it succeeded? Because I, no, no, absolutely not. Okay. Um, uh, just like they, I, I, I mean, if you, if you look at what happened to Dugin uh, and his, right. uh, his daughter, daughter. Uh, specifically, they were taken out in a very kind of similar fashion, uh, an explosive underneath the car that uh, was supposed to be, be that was supposed to be meant for Dugin, but but took out his uh, his daughter. And then we all saw, of course, those videos and those photos on social media of Dugan kind of grabbing his head after he saw, you know, a, a very tragic scene that unfolded for everyone showing, uh, you know, the people of Russia that, uh, you know, even political commentators are going to be targeted here with this unconventional warfare and this kind of uh, subvert subversive uh, warfare that's been waged against them. 
But but I'm saying like it, it seems as if if this plot's legitimate that it would have to be that the Ukrainians were planning to do it so that they can then point the finger at Russia because the only way that this actually pays any dividends is if the American people are then convinced that Russia's responsible for taking out like the the people that have been hesitant about continuing to fund this war have been largely the libertarian community as well as like the dissident right the American first folks so it seems as if if you're going to do a propaganda war which is what we're in the midst of the only incentive they would have to do so would be to try and sell the American people on the the idea that what Russia and specifically Putin was responsible then all of a sudden that aid package flies through that's that's the rationale I, that I see I, I, I don't see that as, as kind of rational here because it's like I, I think everyone would see right through it right away when uh, Dugan's daughter was taken out. Everyone automatically was like, "Yeah, this is this is this is the Ukrainian intel services connected to, of course, the CIA that uh, essentially did this." There was another YouTuber that uh, was targeted. He was given a, a statue of himself with an explosives in it. And uh, during a public talk in, in Russia, uh, that explosive was, of course, blown up, taking his life as well, highlighting how this kind of unconventional warfare has been waged by the Ukrainians. And it's also important to note here that those individuals that I mentioned, including some prominent Americans and Tucker Carlson himself, were actually put on an enemies of Ukraine list from an NGO, non-state funded government organization uh, in Ukraine. So. Ukrainian activists did put Tucker Carlson a few weeks ago a part of their enemies of Ukraine list, which some of those members on those lists were specifically targeted and had their lives taken by uh, Ukrainian proxies and Ukrainian individuals tied to their intelligence well, agency. I, I know we're kind of going in a circle, but I'll just end with this. They, they tried to they tried to say that Russia was responsible for blowing up Nord Stream pipeline, which was one of their primary exports, which produced billions of dollars worth of revenue for them. They simply don't care about the the logic. They were just trying force feed a narrative to try and galvanize the American people, or or at least get them to acquiesce to these demands for additional aid packages. That's my read of it. I, I'm just I'm just very grateful that it failed, uh, or that it was fake, or whatever. Uh, it's it would have been absolutely catastrophic for relations with that entire you know, region of the world had they actually succeeded. I, I mean, I think everyone looks at the Nord Stream pipeline and it's and they're like, yeah, uh, there's no way uh, Russia did this to themselves. This but doesn't make any sense at all, even though that's that's, that's the, what they ran with. But yeah. but I think it was pretty clear as soon as it happened, like, hey, um, yeah, they're they're sabotaging a larger kind of trade between Russia and Germany that they're very fearful of. And a lot of people believe that this kind of uh, aggressive action against Russia is predominantly so they don't become too aligned with Germany and match their kind of engineering power with the natural resources that Russia has. But what would be, uh, you know, let's let's ask uh, let's uh, let's ask you guys, what would be your reaction if Tucker Carlson uh, lost his life in uh, an explosion? of his car in Moscow. How would you guys respond? Well, I would feel bad about him losing his life, but I feel like this is a bunch of propaganda, you know, that's coming out and that they're just making up stuff, trying to start another war. How many times have we heard about mass insurrections and insurrection and all this kind of stuff, you know, to, in order for them to validate the next move that they was getting ready to make on the company? So for number one, I have a problem with that, and I don't believe it. I think it's uh, could be a false flag psyop, kind of like what the American you know intelligence agencies do, where they'll set up some guy who's a little tweaked already to like go do some terrorist act, and then then the FBI will you know all of a sudden stop it at the last minute 
And so this could, you know, just so they can, you know, get the credit. It's kind of like the the firefighter who's got no work setting houses on fire, so he can, you know, remind the people why they need them. Yeah. And so if if this this guy who put this bomb on the uh, car that Tucker Carlson was, you know, going to be in, was actually a Russian agent claiming to be a Ukrainian agent, and then you get the Russian, you know, agencies being like, look, we stopped this guy before this actually happened. Um, that feels more like what's going on, you know, to me, but. Uh, me personally, I think uh, Tucker Carlson could be also, you know, part of the agenda to sort of steer America hard to the right. I think we're going to see a, a a massive pendulum swing to the right, which is going to be, you know, just as bad as a massive pen, pendulum swing to the left. Uh, and 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 like like Laverne says, I, I believe it's a psyop. I believe it's you know, it's all um, it's a it's a horse and pony show, dog well, and pony show. Why why would you why would you think that about Tucker, given that he had the number one nightly news show, and he was essentially, I mean, he wasn't fired. He was basically shelved, uh, but he ended up starting his own. I mean, they they never expected that he was going to be able to have a, a more significant audience than he I, had on Fox News. I just don't trust anybody that gets to, you know, that level of power, you know, that that, that has that kind of influence. And, and, I, and I like everything Tucker has to say. Uh, I don't disagree with the guy, but I... I you just don't trust him. I just don't. I just don't trust anybody, you know, that far up i mean sure. maybe because actually tucker has kids for example and he's a family man he is maybe one might be one of the most trustworthy people you know in there and that's one of the things i like about vivek he says a lot of things that are great and wonderful but like i uh, have a hard time trusting a guy who you know is getting that much attention but the fact that he's a family man uh you know m you know means a lot to me but I i'm just skeptical of anybody who's you know getting this kind of uh, attention yeah I, I don't trust no man but 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 god but you always judge a man by the fruits of his labor and if you look at vivek you, if you look at uh, tucker carlson the, their fruits that they're laying bare to the american public is it, something that uh is is very rare something that we should appreciate something that, that of course uh I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that that they're providing since they're taking very significant risks as we're learning from this story uh coming from russia about the potential you know assassination attempt on him he's taking a lot of risks not listening to the intel agencies who told him you better not interview vladimir putin you better stop doing this and he just said you know what i'm just gonna do it anyway because you told me not to uh his stance especially when it came to medical freedom and information when it came to one of the biggest advertising on Fox News and when it came to facing the military industrial complex the big pharma industrial complex he had tremendous amount of courage and I believe has made a significant positive impact on the American people and personally just getting to know him a little bit I think he's the real deal looking him in the eyes having a, a frank honest off-the-record conversation with him I think he's absolutely the real deal and I'm, I'm a lot happier that he's out there than, uh, than uh, nobody else being out there myself. Well, I've never met the guy, and, and Luke, you got to meet him, uh, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing I got to say about Luke, as long as I've known Luke, pretty much Luke's commentary on everybody he's ever commented on has been super accurate. So, I mean, uh, that's it, not good news for me. <laughs> <laughs> if, if he's not joking around, I guess. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm always joking around, and I, I think a lot of people realize that as well. But, but no, there is there, and especially on Clint. Clint deserves it, though. Uh, but, but talking about the man of the hour, Tucker Carlson, just a couple hours ago, also tweeted, quote, so a CIA-backed Ukrainian intel office official is now telling us that 
Actually, Navalny did die of natural causes. You got to wonder what's going on here. Quote, it's pretty obvious as he's quoting an article and an official statement from the Ukrainian military specifically detailing how Alexei Navalny, the man who, of course, was imprisoned by Vladimir Putin, died of natural causes of specifically a blood clot. Now, I automatically have a question about some of his kind of personal medical um, uh, procedures that he might have been involved in that we can't talk about here on YouTube. But this is uh, very telling to what's going on here, as, of course, Mike Benz was tweeting about this as well. And it definitely does seem like there's a larger kind of unraveling of these official stories of the official narratives that were being told specifically about this conflict. And the Ukrainians coming out and saying this, we'll play you the clip here uh, that that is uh, very eye opening, to say the least, specifically at this specific time juncture. Yeah, we do know that, of course, he had a, a blood clot. Now, I don't, I don't know what, what you guys make of this latest news, but this is this is pretty big news. This is pretty significant, as, of course, the corporate media has been running with this Navalny narrative for a very long time. They've been talking about him. They've been praising him. He. It's almost as if he's an American citizen. It's almost as if he actually did some good for the American people when, in all actuality, he was a, a kind of far-right nationalistic figure that... Uh, they don't like to talk about uh, his uh, internal kind of politics or internal beliefs, but they do like to talk about him being, of course, the enemy of Vladimir Putin. There's just a lot of inconvenient facts now that are uh, around his life that uh, are unraveling for some strange reason. Yeah, I mean, Navalny was no joke to the right, like the far right of Donald Trump. And the American media was trying to portray him as some sort of I don't know, liberal scion. It's absolutely laughable. Peacenik, flower-waving, uh, yeah. blue hair, blue armpit-haired liberal. I mean, he wasn't. Yeah, it's no. to it's just no. totally a lie. If you actually look at his rhetoric, I, I showed some of his uh, campaign clips on Liberty Lockdown. And it's like this dude was a real uh, hardline nationalist in a way that uh, many people that are concerned about racism would not have liked him. So I I think I honestly believe that he was either CIA or MI6 uh, supported. And, and backed. And I honestly, my read of this is very off the board, but I, I think what's happening is that the the U.S. is pulling support from Ukraine. They're trying to exit. And I think that they probably uh, told this medical examiner for Ukraine, look, just tell the truth. <laughs> like this guy, this don't do not put this on Putin. We're not we're we're trying to back out. Um, that's that's my read of it. I could obviously I have no clue. I have no clue what actually happened to the guy. It could, as Luke said, it could be personal medical decisions. It could be a lot of things. But I I do not believe for a second that Putin was responsible for his passing. That's my read. It, it could be a kind of sign of of good faith by the Ukrainians to be like, hey Putin, we kind of want to negotiate here. Hey Putin, right. we kind of want you to uh, be a, be be at the table when we negotiate a truce deal. Um, as of course the situation is not looking good for the Ukrainians. They're asking for again. $60 billion, and the, the American people are saying, hey, we have a lot of other serious issues and concerns here. Um, Laverne, you watch the kind of political sphere more than kind of anyone else. W what do you think is going to be happening next with Ukraine? Do you think there's going to be a peace deal? Do you think the Democrats are going to be holding on to this war until the presidential elections are over since... If, if they lose this one during an election cycle, this is going to be detrimental extremely to the Democrats. How do you see this kind of unfolding from uh, your kind of sphere of influence? 
Well, one thing I see coming is uh, definitely the Biden administration is going to be pushing to give uh, Ukraine another $60 billion. That's one thing I see happening. And also, uh, you know, you can't always tr uh, trust the press. You can't always believe everything that, you are, that you're seeing on TV or everything that you're reading because a lot of times it, it depends on who is behind it, like Soros. We know Soros put up a lot of dollars you know, he bought out a lot of radio stations here in Miami to push his narrative. So a lot of times it depends on who is behind what and pushing that narrative. Yeah, there's there's so much uh, disinformation. There's so much propaganda. And, and, and now this like onslaught of information of, about Ukraine. Again, it's, it's making me wonder, hey, what's the longer play here? What's really going on here? As I, I think there's also a potential of a legitimate attempt that was made on the life of uh, Tucker Carlson. That now a lot of Americans are like saying, hey, this is this is our red line here. You guys passed it. We're mad at you. And now we're going to be exposing a lot of your corruption, a lot of how uh, wrong you guys got this and all the mistakes that you guys were making here along the way. As, of course, we even got video footage of the former head officer of a regional Ukrainian military recruitment office being caught with one million dollars in cash in shoeboxes as of course ukrainian politicians are known for their corruption they're known for taking bribes they're known for taking deals and this is why a lot of very dangerous gain of function research was specifically conducted inside of ukraine that uh, also is linked to a lot of very nefarious characters here within the United States, as a lot of this has the direct involvement of the CIA here that I think is far more involved than a lot of Americans understand them to be. And we're also finding that out with also the other stories that are being released by the corporate media. The New York Times released a very eye-opening kind of piece detailing the CIA's secret fight that lasted more than a decade inside of Ukraine. But again, everything that's happening, all the video footage, all the revelations, the Ukrainians uh, actually saying something that's rational about Putin. Again, strange world we're living in, but uh, I, I think it's up to us to put the pieces together because something uh, isn't um, as they say it is. So from what I understand, you know, this Ukrainian operation has been nothing more than basically a money laundering operation, uh, just getting tax, U.S. taxpayers dollars into Ukraine. It goes back to, you know, the stories where they're, they're buying U.S. treasuries, they're, you know, funding, you know, campaigns of certain, you know, political guys. And so this this Ukrainian operation is like a parasite that has a short cycle. And it looks like the cycle might end with, uh, you know, Biden not getting in. And, you know, back in the White House. So we know the Biden crime family has been bought and paid for over and over again for a very long time by these U Ukrainian, uh, you know, companies like Burisma and, you know, Ukrainian politicians. I mean, you even got, you know, crazy old Joe just bragging about it because he can't help himself. He's one of those guys. And so if, if this is going to end with, uh, you know, in 2024 with Biden not being in there, these guys got to really try hard to like for their hur last hurrah for to, to really push this money through to just extract whatever they can. It's almost like, you know, the Titanic's going down and these guys are just filling their pockets with all the silverware uh, before they get on the lifeboats. Well, that sounds like an apt metaphor for our own country. And that's what it feels like the American political class is doing as well. 
uh, which is why I am a libertarian. But uh, I would like to like to ask Laverne about this, actually, because, you know, my my read of things is that the entire Russian collusion narrative was propagated because they were trying to get uh, propagandize the American people into being on a war footing with Russia and against uh, and to be perceived enemies with Vladimir Putin. Uh, I also think that the reason that they impeached Trump for the first time was because he was he made that call to Zelensky where he was trying to figure out about the Biden shenanigans in Ukraine. It seems to me that this has been an op that's been ran for a decade and and Trump ran afoul of it. He never seemed to have gotten to the bottom of it. He doesn't really talk about it very much. I'm just curious if you think that that broadly the congressional members understand what I'm describing here, that in fact, Ukraine was a, a CIA op. It was a color revolution in Maidan in 2014, and that the Biden family, along with the Mitt Romneys of the world and many uh, Nancy Pelosi, many American politicians have been profiting by having their family members uh, reap the rewards of the corruption there. Do you think that there's ever, is there any hope that Congress actually ever sees fit to, you know, research and investigate this sincerely, or are they all so dirty that they never will? At this point, I actually am not sure if Congress even cares. You know, it's like these people that are in Congress, they're no longer working for the people. You know, it's all about whatever they want and for their self-interest. A lot of times the laws that Congress, those congressional um, people make, it's not going to affect them the way that it's going to affect us. So I'm sure that they have the proper intel that's going to let them know you know what's going on so that they are aware but you they just know, don't care when it comes to voting and everything they're gonna go with whatever they are told to do by their donors that's funding their campaign right. so at the end of the day i'm not so sure that it even matters to a lot of them i i sadly agree we got some uh, super chats here from Based Joe. Some people would uh, pronounce his name a little differently, but I, I read it Based Joe saying, quote, I'm just here to give you money. He gave another one saying anomaly labeling Vivek conservative GPT was pretty accurate. Um, I, I wasn't familiar with that one. I don't know if you are, Clint, uh, yourself. Yeah. Um, is he critical of, of Vivek or did Very. he not like him? Okay. Yeah, he thinks okay. that he uh, he made money off of a pump and dump pharma scheme, blah, blah, blah. I, I've already dug deep on this, and, and Anomaly and I are good friends. We've gone back and forth on this. We're just, we're just not going to agree on this one. Based Joe gave another super chat saying Ukraine is a meat grinder for Western resources, and that meat grinder probably will be expanding as, of course, some European Union nations are literally talking about sending their soldiers over to fight the Russians inside of Ukraine. And uh, that, again... Crazy, insane escalations here. I think this could go any way, but uh, I, I think it, I, I think it's fair to say we're definitely going down the wrong road when it comes to dealing with this conflict. I think a lot of people in politics have absolutely failed us, and uh, as of right now, Congress is is is. I can't believe I'm saying this, uh, and Laverne, correct me if I'm wrong here. They're one of the few peoples that are that are actually standing up for the American people, and they're not passing this spending bill. They're not passing this Ukrainian bill, uh, which looks like won't pass. Do you think it will? I hope it won't. I mean, America, we're tired. As American taxpayers, we are sick and tired of seeing our dollars go to the Ukraine when it's needed right here in this country to help people that need it the most, the working class. 
Well, no, no disagreement here. Uh, my, my concern, and actually I'll, I'll extrapolate on my thesis that I detailed with Laverne a few minutes ago. I also think this is the reason that they, they ran all the ops that they did to get Trump out of office before his second term, from Hunter's laptop to a litany of things that I probably am not allowed to talk about on this particular platform. But, but, but yeah, the intel agencies were like, yeah, we want to start a war with Russia. Uh, we don't like Trump. Let's blame all of Russia on Trump. Exactly. And let's do this predictive programming where we get the American people really angry at uh, Russia uh, through, of course, uh, the political division that they sowed in this country with the corporate media. And so this has been a plan for a very long time, over a decade. Yes. And, and specifically, who were they targeting? They were targeting the Democrats, who are usually the non-interventionists or the anti-war camp, historically, not in recent memory. Uh, and I think that it, it was an overt attempt to – it was psychological warfare against the Democrats. I mean, the people that are watching CNN and MSNBC every night, they still believe that Donald Trump, orange – Man bad. Man bad. Uh, it was foisted upon them because of Vladimir Putin. It doesn't matter that it's not true. They were told this lie for five years straight. And even when it came out that it wasn't true, you still have uh, many politicians that will go on national television and, and insinuate that it was the case. It's flatly false. It is an outright lie. But why did they do it? Because now you have a tremendous amount of political support from the Democrats, the people who are usually not pro-war, and they are all salivating to go after Vladimir Putin. It's not an accident. Yeah. And, and this is why this story from the New York Times a couple of days ago is uh, such a major freaking big deal. As, of course, they wrote an article talking about the spy war, quote, how the CIA secretly helps Ukraine fight Putin as the official narrative has changed, as David Sachs points out and says the idea that the CIA has been deeply involved in Ukraine for over a decade, waging a secret war against Russia is no longer a conspiracy theory. And that is a major revelation, as, of course, through this New York Times piece, we found out that the CIA built 12 secret spy bases inside of Ukraine and waged shadow war for at least a decade. And if you remember, after the 2014 Maidan revolution, there was a lot of really horrible things that were done, not only to the people of Ukraine, but specifically to all the Russian-speaking territories that were essentially at war. This war in Ukraine didn't just start with Russia's invasion of it, as, of course, there was already conflicts, there was already fighting, there was already bullets and bombs being thrown on each side in the Donetsk region inside of Ukraine for over 10 years now. Now this conflict escalated, it spilled over, it involves Russia, and it involves the United States that are fighting each other in the proxy that is Ukraine. This is indirect war, leaving a lot of people to question what's going to happen if it becomes a direct war between Russia and the United States, as I, I think it's fair to say. That's already happening here, and that should be uh, something that a lot of people shouldn't be comfortable with, as there's a lot at stake here. There's a lot of nuclear weapons, but there wasn't even a discussion here. There wasn't even a vote here. There wasn't even a politician coming to the American people and saying, you know what, Ukraine's in our best interest. We want the democratic policy to be here that you guys vote and support our initiatives here in Ukraine. 
No one did that. This was secret, covert operations by the CIA that, of course, undermined America's interests, undermined the people of Ukraine, and waged a secret war that expanded and blew up and now is ever so expanding in Europe. Extremely dangerous situation, extremely reckless situation that they didn't even vote for, which is crazy. Sounds like tyranny to me because it sounds like these politicians just have no fear whatsoever of the people. And it wasn't what uh, Thomas Jefferson said. Tyranny is when the politicians fear the people and liberty. I'm sorry. Tyranny is when the, pol- uh, the people fear the politicians and liberty is where... The politicians fear the people, and clearly the politicians are not afraid with this, you know, absolute just chaotic looting of American resources and money and stacking up the debt, and they're not, and, and they're proud of it, and these guys are bragging about it, and yeah, not much is really happening. Oh, I'm not going to lie. I fear the politicians <clears throat> tremendously, deeply. I mean, just look at what happened with that, that uh, the J6er, I think it was in Florida, uh, they were pulling him out again, and this was—I think he was a military veteran or, or a cop or something like that. It's—it's um, it's absolutely evil what's happening, and I think that if you look back to the early days of uh, you know the USSR, this is kind of what they went through. And and I just feel like people are sleepwalking through all of this. They're not paying attention to how dangerous this all is, and and that's just the domestic issues that I'm talking about. If you extrapolate and you start to focus on the potential for World War III. It's astronomically dangerous. I mean, it is genuinely existential what we're facing. And it's all predicated on lies. Did they try, as, as Luke pointed out, did they try and have a, a address to the nation where they actually lay out the case? No, they didn't. Because they couldn't. Because they don't have the facts on their side. They, they would have had to have lied so egregiously, and they didn't want to have Biden on record doing that. So what did they do instead? They used the media cutouts. They used the media apparatus to just go around propagating CIA talking points, and then they turn around and they shame you, and they call you a coward, and they call you a traitor, and they call you all of these uh, un-American nonsense. It's totally BS from from or like from Jump Street. This was an absolute and outright lie meant to not just... Uh, you know, profit the, the military industrial complex, but also for the most corrupt, reprehensible politicians in American history to get rich. And they got rich and no one seems to care. Laverne, what's your take on uh, the CIA? Because it definitely seems like they're uh, uh, an unaccountable bunch that just get to do whatever they want. And we've known that they've been doing this for a very long time, especially when it came to the crack epidemic, when it came to Iran-Contra, when it came to MKUltra, when it comes to all the other secret crazy experiments and wars and governments that they toppled throughout the last few years. Is there anything that Congress could even do uh, against this secretive, shadowy kind of organization that... As of right now, we're finding out also helped start this war in Ukraine. Well, first of all, it's not just the CIA. It's all three letter agencies. Facts. It's a problem. And that's a fact. That's a fact. You know, they come out the who they want to come out the. Uh, a lot of them seem like most of them just work for Hillary because what we have seen in the past is that people that went against her, they died. We had a family that uh, stopped working for her, and all of them drowned in three foot of water in a swimming pool. So, you know, it's just like they just target whoever they want to target. And, and we are always seeing double standards. Everything is a double standard. Look how they went off the trunk. But what happened to Biden with those uh, records that he had? Nothing. What about Hunter Biden's laptop? Nothing. So they just targeting whoever it is they choose to target. It begs the question, would you support abolition of the CIA and the FBI for what they've done? Yes. 
I love yes. it. Yes. You got my vote. Yes, and, I would. And to speak on this, uh, you know, this Ukraine war, like, you know, there's there's no vote. The, the people don't get a choice. The politicians have been getting away with this for decades. So I was like nine years old when, like, the Desert Storm thing happened. You know, that was another undeclared war, you know, just, just go going in and just, you know, wiping out a whole bunch of, what, they kill half a million babies. Uh, all, all, all parts of uh, Iraq and that part of the world are, like, just covered in depleted uranium. You can't do anything with it. You can't live on the land. You can't drink the water. You can't farm it. And they just keep on pushing the card harder and harder and harder because how many people went to, went to you know, stayed after school for detention in the Bush administration over this? You know, did Bush, did anything happen to him? No. Did anything happen to Obama for you know, all the people that you know, he killed with the Predator drones you know, you know, all over wherever? And, then you had, and, and Reagan was doing the same thing in like, you know, uh, Central and South America, Nicaragua, you know, under John Bolton and you know, guys like that. None of those, nobody stayed after school for a detention. Nobody lost their house. You know, nobody's in prison. And this is what happens when for generations after generations, and this is on all levels of government, not only the national level, but also your state and local level with qualified immunity. You have generations of child protection social workers, for example, now that have, are covered under qualified immunity that are literally trafficking children. They are, you know, um, putting children in homes where there's known pedophiles. Uh, and this is not just like in, in one state, this is broad everywhere. And nobody's getting fired unless literally they're caught like on video doing unspeakable things with children. And this is because that culture of what I call the parasite class, all the government employees with this, enjoying this qualified immunity, they're just getting away with it and getting away with it. And then all of a sudden you have, uh, you know, people like Hunter Biden who can just do whatever they want they can, you, you, all the horrible things that he's done, he makes videos of, and he's another guy to brags about because he's never gotten disciplined. I like, for example, no children of state troopers and very powerful attorneys that are like they're getting multiple DUIs. They never go to jail. They beat their wives. Nothing ever happens. I mean, this is just on all levels in the United States and across the world with the uh, power class. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that Joe Biden uh, definitely didn't do a good job with Hunter Biden raising him as a son. And uh, the, the guy can't even raise dogs. The, 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 guy, the guy could barely operate. The guy could b barely freaking walk. He could barely freaking talk. And when, when you look at everything that he has done so far, specifically, it shows you a parent that was absolutely freaking horrible to his son. As, of course, we also have the Biden uh, daughter diary that uh, James O'Keefe got raided by the FBI for. That also has some very telling stories. But hey. At least Hunter Biden got a lucrative contract from Burisma Oil in Ukraine that, uh, of course, is known for selling a lot of positions in power to, of course, prominent politicians. The Pelosi's got, uh, were, were able to get a contract. The Clintons were able to get a contract. All the Democratic politicians were able to get a piece of the cake that, of course, is Ukraine and all the resources and all the money that, of course, has been slowly and surely sifted away from the people there who had to deal with just the most corrupted government officials on planet Earth. As, of course, now... This conflict might even be expanding as the Financial Times is reporting how the NATO chief is saying that Ukraine joining NATO is inevitable. 
This is a major revelation. This is a major announcement as The Telegraph reports that NATO and EU member states are now considering sending troops to Ukraine. No, this is not a drill. No, this is not a joke, as of course now. Former Rothschild banker Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, just said he does not rule out sending troops to Ukraine. Quote, we will do whatever it takes to ensure that Russia cannot win this war. As, of course, if this happens, this means that this is just a full all-out war between the West and the East. As, of course, other countries like Iran, China most likely will be joining Russia here when it comes to, of course, using Ukraine as the battleground proxy that it is here. A major admission by the French here who uh, don't have the best uh, military, uh, military record. Uh, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But Europe, again, is, is a continent filled with lots of bloodshed, lots of war. And it looks like history is repeating itself in very devastating ways because already... Uh, the Ukrainian population has been obliterated. A whole entire generation of young men is gone. They are already using mercenaries from Latin America, from countries like Colombia. And still, that's not enough, as, of course, the Russians keep sending waves and waves of men into Ukraine, and the Ukrainians just simply don't have enough manpower. Now, there's going to be French soldiers fighting in Ukraine. That, again, is highlighting just another escalation that is leading towards world war that many historians will look back on and say was actually started in 2014. How much you want yeah. to bet that uh, the Macron is yet another one of those politicians that get filthy rich with shady business deals in Ukraine. I would just say you should look into it. That's all I'll say. But to add to Luke's point about the potential for world war, you also have to throw in the mix Syria, Lebanon, Yemen, potentially Brazil, the entire BRICS alliance. We don't know which way they'll go. Um, this is extraordinarily dangerous. As I said earlier, I feel like we're sleepwalking our way into World War III. This is why I have the same exact opinion on the Israel-Palestine conflict as I do on the Russia-Ukraine conflict. I want to defund it. I do not want to be involved. Any leverage that the American political class is still maintaining ought to be utilized to try and, and request a negotiated peace settlement and a ceasefire. That is the only uh, moral answer, particularly given that we have helped foment these conflicts. It's vitally important that we de-escalate. Vladimir Putin has made it very clear for over 10 years now, as Luke is actually pulling up the clip right now, which I tweeted out yesterday. It went super viral. This was two weeks before the invasion uh, into Ukraine, in which he said that the uh, once again, which he said he also told privately to Condoleezza Rice and the current uh, head of the CIA in Burns that this is the red line of all red lines. If you add Ukraine into NATO, it is World War Three. He said it two weeks before they invaded Ukraine. In fact, the New York Times article said said as much that this is exactly why they invaded is because they realized that the CIA was running uh, lots of things that we're not allowed to talk about until we get into rumble. This is why he invaded. It's awful. We're almost uh, very close to being on rumble. But uh, the clip that, of course, we have pulled up here has uh, Vladimir Putin saying, quote, if Ukraine joins NATO and attempts to bring Crimea back by military, it means their European countries will automatically be pulled into a war conflict with Russia. And already, I mean, we have a lot of uh, NATO military supplies. 
why not their soldiers? And of course, why not a global war? Why not a nuclear war? Which, uh, I, I, again, that's, that's the tra trajectory that we're on. And to me, that's a ridiculous trajectory as, of course, we don't have our priorities straight. There's a lot of things here domestically inside of the United States that we don't have right, that we need fixed, that we need to have addressed. And we're not doing any of that. Why? Because we're uh, playing regime change in, in, in Europe. Why are we playing regime change in Europe? Why are so many young Ukrainian men not alive anymore? Why have they lost their lives? As, of course, everyone should be asking themselves this question, looking at the larger picture of what's really unfolding and going on here because it is just absolutely a tragedy unfolding right in front of our eyes yeah and it sounds like uh you know when i was a young man well, i'm still well I'm, I'm in my 40s when i was in my teens and 20s you know the enemy was all these muslim countries and now we have all of these uh, migrants that have been flooding into all of Europe for several years now. There seems to be an issue there, and there needs to be, you know, somebody needs to put them to work or do something with them. And uh, if you wanted to sort of draft those guys or incentivize or somehow buy all these mi migrants to be your soldiers, your, your mercenaries, to go to war with somebody, it's not likely they would go to a war to, with a Muslim country. So long ago, so now they had to pick a country that's not Muslim, which is Russia. So it's, I'm thinking if the European, you know, allies need to come up with a whole bunch of soldiers, they're going to be looking at all these fighting age men who don't have families and children that have come into their country who are looking for something to do, looking for a paycheck that won't fight a Muslim country. So they picked a Muslim, uh, non-Muslim country to go to war with. Interesting. And, uh, it's, and, and, and I talk a lot about being valuable, you know, making sure your children are valuable because when the draft comes, and we could all see a draft in our lifetime, everybody in this room, even right here in this country, because the recruit, the recruiting rates are down. But when I talk about being, being valuable, the reason that Smith is the uh, largest family name, the largest last name in, you know, the Western world is because when all these countries years ago, thousands of years ago and hundreds of years ago, when they went to war and, and, and in the English culture, if you were, you were, uh, your last name, your family name was whatever your trade was. So if you were a blacksmith, for example, and you got drafted, you didn't go to the front lines because you were super valuable. You were the guy that was making the armor, making the swords. <clears throat> so all these, you know, sort of useless, you know, soy boy, you know, you know, lat latte sipping, you know, computer, you know, operating at Starbucks boys that don't have any real world skills. Guess where you're going? You're going to the front lines because you're the least valuable. But if you're someone who is like a mechanic, you know, a machinist, you're not going to the front line because they're going to put you in, you know, the factories, you know, that are protected to uh, essentially, you know, build the munitions if they can get you. But hopefully nobody signed up for selective service. I'll tell you, I never signed up for selective service. Um, and neither did any of my brothers and a whole bunch of my other, other family members. There's, you know, no law that requires you to put your signature on any document. So maybe they won't come draft you. But I, I suspect that there's going to be places... Where when they draft you, there's going to be a whole bunch of people like in America, in regions of the country, that are going to be willing willing to go to war because they've been starving and they have no way to defend themselves and they have no real-life skills to really do anything. And then there's going to be places in the country where their people are heavily armed, they're skilled, and they're going to refuse to be draft. So it, it's going to get real interesting if there's a draft. Well, if there's a draft, and, and there's a potential that, that there might be, because uh, a lot of uh, young men are not suitable for enlistment because of uh, 
because because they're fat uh, and because of their mental disorders. But I, I definitely do see a lot of feminists becoming trad wives automatically if there is a draft. <laughs> and I do see a lot of older men being drafted as, of course, they deal with less kind of uh, physical ailments than the new younger generation who can't stop uh, with their douche flutes, who can't stop eating Skittles. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. I uh, just decided to pan the camera on I'll you be for, the for no reason. Age you? of a Ukrainian conscript, too. <laughs> so. But but yeah, right now, if you look at what's happening in, in Ukraine, the, the what, what's the age of enlistment now? 65, I believe? Someone correct me if, I'm, if cap, I'm wrong. But the, average, here. the average soldier, I think, is 42 or something like that now. It's wild. There was yeah. just absolute like, horrific video of, uh, of Ukrainian soldiers just trying to be entertained by a, a musical performer and just the looks on their face and just how old these guys are really just kind of tells you everything you need to know about this. Uh, war and how it's going for the Ukrainians. Laverne, you had something to say? Well, like you said, the cap is 40. Um, what are we going to do with all of these illegals that are coming here? I think they're going to offer them citizenship to enlist. I, I really do. There was a congressional uh, proposal by a Democrat and a Republican saying that uh, if you want U.S. citizenship and you're an illegal that walked through the border, uh, you could do that by military service. Is that something that, uh, Laverne, you would vote for or something you would not vote for? Oh, yeah, I would support that. I mean, if they're coming here, what exactly are they, are they going to do, you know? Uh, <laughs> but be a liability on this country, so why not enlist? I would feel maybe safer in a sense with them than to have a whole bunch of drag queens going in. <laughs> well, a lot of people also kind of question, you know, the random kind of uh, MS-13 members, the random Venezuelans, the random uh, people from China walking through the border and now kind of joining our, our military. As Of course, a lot of people have very serious questions and concerns about that, as a lot of people are saying, hey, uh, if, you, if you give them an access to citizenship, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be getting it that way, and therefore you're going to be changing the dynamic politically where Republicans won't ever be in power ever again, since a lot of new uh, immigrants predominantly overwhelmingly vote for the Democratic Party. But they are here, and the Republicans wasn't the one that opened up the border. This, this was, I mean, all of this happened on Joe Biden watch. I, I think uh, allowing these immigrants to, you know, do military service for citizenship is very much a double-edged sword because, from what I and I never did military service. One of my best friends was in the special forces, and what he told me was that basically. Uh, the guys that he was training, the guys that would come in, and, and he went actually into the military because it was it was go to military or go to jail. So that was the option. So he said it was a bunch of rednecks from out in the country who had all kinds of problems, and he said it was a bunch of inner city kids who had all kinds of problems, and they went into the military. But one thing that these guys had no interest in doing was t turning their guns on, 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 on their own people, whether it be people in the city or people out in, out in the country. That wouldn't be hard to do for someone who doesn't have a grandma and grandpa here, who doesn't have family here, and who may have been influenced in some way, somehow, to believe that, like, you know, the natives here on this land, and, and when I say native, I was born here. I think we were all natives. We're all born here. Uh, are bad people. They might, they might have that influence. So I see letting these guys, uh, these immigrants, be, um, you know, soldiers for 
uh, citizenship as very, very dangerous. And we need to look at that very closely. Yeah, I mean, the people coming across the border are, are not people who obey the law, right? They're violating the law. Uh, so they're willing to do something illegal. Uh, two, with, with the way that things have been kind of shaping up here politically, it does seem like the Democratic establishment is waging a political and legal war against the Republicans. So I think it would absolutely benefit them for the legalization of their future Democratic voters. And if something like this would pass, I think this would be the end of any kind of Republican uh, rule in all jurisdictions, as, of course, a lot of people would take advantage of this. And if you look at U.S. veterans, they get a lot less um, uh, uh, you know, benefits than uh, illegal immigrants. And a lot of U.S. veterans are disgruntled. They're pissed off. What are you going to have when you have a whole bunch of people from uh, you know, Latin America, Africa, and, and China pissed off that just became citizens that overwhelmingly vote Democrat that are also illegal. That's a question and concern that a lot of people are bringing for this kind of larger question of, of giving them citizenship through service. I, I think the real solution to these illegals is just stop with the welfare. Because if they're not getting the meal ticket, if they're coming here for the meal ticket, they're the wrong kind of people. Like the guy who converts his 1952 Chevy, you know, Bel Air over in Cuba and makes it into a boat and sails it to Miami. That's the guy I want to be my neighbor. Not the guy that's walking across that, that was that got a free ticket from a Soros organization, got a train ride, a plane ride and, and, and a, you know, and a, a bus ride up up through Mexico to the Texas border and then got $2,200 cash and then maybe goes through the border two or three more times while he's up in an area to get some more cash. Get rid of welfare. Welfare is uh, devolving the uh, country. And whether it's Republican welfare recipients or Democrat welfare recipients, I can set very clear examples of how it's degenerating each and every generation. If there's no welfare for these people, if there's no free meal ticket, they're going to go back to their countries. They're going to find their way back to their countries. I worked with a whole bunch of uh so-called undocumented Mexican guys when I was living in Colorado on a huge crop production farm. And those guys were hard workers. They had wonderful culture. They cared about their family. And their incentive was to not even stay in America. They were just going to work That's here right. for like 10 years and, and, and pocket and send all their money home. In fact, I introduced these guys to Bitcoin so they could securely send their money back. I got a bunch of guys swapping their money into Bitcoin, shipping it back down to Mexico, sending it to what, their family. What year was this? Uh, 2013 through 2015. In fact, oh, dude, you turned a bunch of those dudes super wealthy. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, well, uh, one of these guys who I'm uh, pretty good friends with, uh, he is a multimillionaire just because he was sending uh, every other paycheck or every third paycheck, he would buy Bitcoin with it and send it to his, his father. Uh, and and uh, and he's like, oh yeah, we got beautiful houses, and he's got he's got the fanciest casita in all of Mexico. Yes, I'm, yeah. I'm pumped for him. That's awesome. And, and and when I was I was in Acapulco for Anarcapulco here, and I was in Acapulco for two weeks, and I got to know one of these guys that was working at the uh, venue, the Secret Garden, where they, where they hold the Anarcapulco event. Um, and uh, he speaks uh, Spanish pretty good. He said he worked in the U.S. for a little while, but he's afraid of the U.S. And uh, he, he's like, I don't want to be there. He goes, it's crazy there. And he's like, I, and he says all the people, all the bad people from Mexico, the ones that we don't want is basically what he was saying are the ones that are going to the U.S. And he said it was the same thing for like um, uh, either Venezuela or, or Ecuador. It wasn't the good people leaving. And they're happy to send their, send their trash is what, the way he put it out of their country. And, and, you know, in New Hampshire, we have people talking about, oh, we've got to come up with some money and just get these welfare recipients and these Democrats out of New Hampshire and we'll buy them a plane ticket to California and they sign a contract, they'll never come back to New Hampshire. I don't know how you would ever enforce that, but it's a pipe dream. 
But it's sort of the same philosophy with a lot of these Latin countries. They're happy to export their garbage to the U.S., and that's just what these guys say. We're going to continue the conversation on Rumble. And, Laverne, we're going to ask you if you would support cutting welfare, uh, specifically all on Rumble. But before we do that, we wanted to tell everyone, hey— the conversation ends on YouTube, it ends on Facebook, it ends on Twitter, it ends on Kick, but continues on rumble.com. Again, rumble.com forward slash we are change is the place to find this conversation, as of course you could find us on the front page on Picks. Tucker Carlson is actually live right now, so is Glenn Greenwald, so is Donald Trump. We are right there next to them on the Rumble front page, so all you have to do is go to Rumble. Go to the front page, and then once you go to the front page, you can find us right here on the picks section and category, or just go to rumble.com forward slash we are changed. It's important to vote with your clicks. This is one way to do it and to incentivize incentivize free speech and free speech platforms standing up for independent content creators. Rumble does that more than anyone else. We do have a significant audience everywhere else. So as we go to Rumble, uh, Laverne, where can people find you and support your work? Um, they can go to my website, and that's LavernSpicer.com. Uh, Jay, where can people find you? Uh, people can go to my website. That's jnoon.com, and that is J-A-Y. Uh, N-O-O-N-E dot com. We have more viewers than Glenn Greenwald right now. In your face, Glenn, you heroic journalist. You, I love you so much. I'm just giving you a hard time, buddy. Uh, at Liberty Lockpod on X. If you want to support my work, you could subscribe there. I'll follow you back. Liberty Lockdown's the show. Clint Russell's the name. I also co-host Tower Gang. But most importantly, pick up your phone right now and go to your favorite podcast app and search for Liberty Lockdown and search for The Best Political Show and click subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Steph. Steph has some serious questions about the, the very... Uh confusing conflict confusing content that clint just released on his show tower gang you tower gang it's a very big question i don't understand it at all he says don't watch it i agree don't watch don't, it don't. it's weird anyways uh you can find me at step wrc on x and step we are change on instagram all right we're officially going off of uh youtube as of course we are also going to be taking callers in about 30 minutes from members of lukeunfiltered.com so if you are a member we already have a couple people lining up. We might be able to take a, a number of callers. Uh, again, also, don't forget, this Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, Clint gets in a cake and a <laughs> mankini and jumps out for you yes. during our in-real-life meetup that's Sexy. going to be taking place in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, this March 2nd, uh, Clint is going to give us a show oh all God. just for members of LukeUnfiltered.com. You guys get a lot for your memberships of LukeUnfiltered.com. So if you haven't signed up yet, sign up right now. And you also get the ability to call into the show in about 30 minutes from now. As, of course, I wanted to introduce this segment from uh, this video that I saw on uh, Twitter that I think uh, was absolutely freaking hilarious. Excuse me, ma'am. No porn at the bar. Oh, it's okay. I'm transgender. Oh, I, I had no idea. Do whatever you want all the time. Excuse me. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's Family Guy, who, of course, uh, was uh, more um, on the money than a lot of other shows out there that uh, essentially predicted the current situation that we are in. As of course, this is the type of content that you could expect, as well as the larger questions about Clint showing people's b-holes on yes. his show, which uh, we're going to get into the in a Trinity little bit. The was watching Tower Gang. We're going we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna to get into that in a little bit, but let's, uh, of course, continue the conversation from YouTube. And, and Laverne, what, what's your kind of take here specifically on welfare? Jay says, cut it all. Would that, would that be something that you would support? Well, because I work with those particular demographics of people, and I understand that a lot of the senior population, when they started working in the 30s and the 40s, uh, 50s, income levels was at an all-time low. So now many of those people, their Social Security checks are so small. Some of them receive less than $200 a month total income and $5 in food stamps, and they cannot afford to take care of themselves. So, no, I do not support cutting off that welfare to people that really need it. So so define who really needs it. It sounds like you sort of did, like a lot of these old folks. I, I yeah. didn't realize that like there's a lot of people that are only getting a couple hundred bucks a month out of Social Security, and I wouldn't even call Social Security really so much as welfare. I mean, it's an, it's an insurance program that is you know sort of funded by by uh, you know men pointing guns at people to make sure they pay taxes. The, the uh, problem the problem with it is that it's a Ponzi scheme. I mean, the, yes. the money's been spent. So uh, I actually agree with Laverne though. I, I think that to to end it overnight would be catastrophic. But I do think that it needs to be phased out, uh, particularly given that the the government's going to go insolvent or or they're going to hyperinflate uh, the currency into oblivion. In which case, those checks won't buy us enough to eat anyways. So I think that the answer is that for the young people that haven't been paying in for it into it for their entire lives that you give them an opt-out where they can invest privately as opposed to uh you know being forced into a government retirement plan which is ultimately just a ponzi yeah scheme. I, I don't know if you're familiar with javier milli he's the new president of argentina and he talks about phasing out government so it's not an absolute shock uh to the people of argentina as he is slashing government employees left and right in that country and uh, it, it does look like it is having some very promising uh, results as a lot of people are saying, hey, uh, the, the dollar is being devalued. The purchasing power of the dollar is being attacked. We are all being financially screwed over and robbed. And the government taking more money and redistributing it really just uh, finances a lot of corrupt government, a lot of bad government, a lot of government that doesn't serve the needs of the people. And a lot of people argue that the people would be kind of better off if there wasn't any kind of government at all. Now I know there's a lot of kind of dependents who are depending on their, their check, but let's just be honest here. That check is meaningless. The more we go on, the more inflation affects us. And I think the, the reason inflation affects us is because they take and they spend so much money that's not theirs. And it's just so criminal. So that, that to me would be, in, in my opinion, and I might be wrong, the more kind of uh, honest way to deal with this situation to help out the people by not taking their money. That's why I'm, I'm kind of in favor of that personally. And and I agree with that, but the thing is this. Um, for a lot of people, especially now, rent is at an all-time high. A lot of people cannot afford... I mean, a one-bedroom is like over 
2000 in some cases $3,000. So if a person is trying to work, take care of their kids, and they're not making that, you know, I mean, what do you want these people to do? A lot of them are already homeless, sleeping in the cars, staying in, a, in abandoned homes, and, you know, going through very challenging situations. But on the same token, the board is open once again. Some places that they're giving these people $10,000 a month to live off of, and they have not worked not one day in America. They have not sown in anything into the Social Security system, but you're still giving them money. You're giving them incentives to come here. So why not cut that off instead of going after the people that have worked and sold something into this uh, way of living into our government system? Why not cut that off from those illegals instead of going um, after the people that have worked? Yeah, and if you look at the larger kind of welfare welfare programs, they don't really compare to the larger corporate welfare programs. So if you look at uh, Big Pharma, you look at the military industrial complex, you look at what Pfizer was able to get from the American people. You look at what Monsanto was able to get throughout the last few years from the American people. You look at all these other huge entry, uh, industries, Raytheon, Boeing, the whole war industry, they're just taking money they don't have. They're, they're hyperinflating it. They're printing it out of thin air. And, you know, a lot of people talk about the minutia of welfare. But if you look at the larger picture, you take a step back. We are being financially looted. We're being robbed. Uh, and as, as a politician, how would you address those larger concerns here? Because th there are issues that, that uh, should be addressed, but everyone's too afraid to, to kind of address them. Well, first of all, it's because of the democratic policies. You know, it's kept people impoverished and living in poverty and depending on the system for many years, and that is part of the problem. So what we need to do is put um, incentives in place or whatever that's going to help, first of all, the small businesses, because once you help the small businesses, they are going to hire people from the community. The dollar stays in the community. We had to overturn several times to help strengthen the community and help strengthen the people in the community so they could take care of themselves. But once again, you know, those democratic policies have destroyed our communities, and that's why people have been so dependent upon the government. So that's why creating generational wealth is so important. Well, I, I'd like to follow up on that because... You know, well, I agree with you that Democratic policies have been catastrophic. I, I also think that the lockdowns, which were permitted under Donald Trump, was probably the biggest driver of income inequality in this country because so many of the small businesses got driven out of business. Um, well, the biggest businesses got astronomically larger. And I'm curious if you would support uh, an investigation into Anthony Fauci and the origin of, of COVID-19 uh, also uh, trying to get liability for the vaccine manufacturers that that ultimately were very uh, you know detrimental to I don't even know how many people hundreds of thousands of people all over the world um, as of now they have total legal liability and civil liability and I think that that's just really uh, a catastrophe yes uh, absolutely as a small business owner I know so many people that lost their businesses doing those three and four months of um, having to close down because of COVID. Yeah. Well, and, and that was in and Florida. Was, it was years long in many of the Democrat states. It was terrible. Yeah, and it, it, and it also caused a harsh impact on the small businesses. For sure. So, yes. 
to uh, I will com- support that investigation. <clears throat> Great. To, to comment on this uh, about uh, government helping small businesses, that is, uh, in my opinion, an oxymoron. You know, Reagan's uh, famous for saying, uh, you know, the most you know fearful thing government says is I'm here to help you or something like that. But anyways, what government needs to do is just leave small businesses alone. If they just left them alone, uh, they would thrive. The, the reason that most small businesses and entrepreneurs go out of business is due to taxation and regulation. And if you want to talk about housing, the, the real reason that housing and everything is expensive and food is, um, is inflation. And, the re- and uh, inflation is because the government is creating this money out of thin air and just giving it to a whole bunch of welfare recipients. And the, I, I worked in a, a, in a huge, what I recall, Republican welfare whores are the American crop farmers. And I, and I worked with, with, some, with some large crop farmers a, f- a few years ago. And these guys uh, in, are like, purposely like wasting money they're they're buying a bunch of hot rods and cool things you ever been to a tractor pull you ever see a 6,000 horsepower john deere 4020 um uh farm truck tractor to tractor pull big plume of black smoke comes out of it they'll have them here at the uh, state fair here which i believe is going to happen pretty soon here in florida i i call that the um uh, government subsidized uh tractor pull class because all those guys that are that are uh, running these tractors are like a million dollars to build one of these tractors right now they're these huge corporate farms and and they work all off of subsidies and the only way you get federal crop insurance in the united states is to use monsanto growing practices so as a result we have a mississippi dead zone because of all of the synthetic manure these synthetic fertilizers that are made from petrochemicals all of these herbicides pesticides fungicides you know, you name it, that, that are all Monsanto licensed, Monsanto approved, uh, are, you know, f- you know, flooding all these, you know, uh, waterways and stuff, uh, are making all these American farmers sick, everybody in their community is sick, and, you know, basically in the, the breadbasket of America because they're using all these chemicals everywhere. Um, and the only reason that is happening is because of the government subsidies. So what's happening is the government is incentivizing, rewarding bad behavior. So, like, if you, like, with my children and the way I'm encouraging people to raise their children is to sort of ignore the bad behavior and reward good behavior. But in, but in sometimes what's happening with uh, children, when you go to, like, yell at them uh, for bad behavior, you're actually incentivizing them because now you're giving them attention that they want, even though it's a negative attention. And what's happening even, like, with the public school systems, like, oh, this school's doing horrible? Let's give them a whole bunch more money. Oh, this school's still doing bad? Let's give them a whole bunch more money. I mean, why is it in some places it's costing like $30,000 per student? It costs more to put, put a kid through school than it does to house a pres- prisoner in, you know, in a federal you know, prison uh, you know, institution. But <clears throat> this welfare program is just out of control. Uh, I was a firefighter for 19 years in a little town in Massachusetts. And Springfield, Massachusetts is a, is, is a city that's been struggling my entire life with crime, all kinds of things. There's a lot of bad policies. You can't carry guns in Massachusetts, really. It's hard to have a gun. You, kinda, you, ha- you can't, like, you have to retreat. So basically, you know, if somebody attacks you. And I, I'm friends with many first responders that are Springfield, Mass, and also in um, New York City, a couple of them, and in New, New Hampshire. And I've asked all these guys. Out of the people who are you are giving Narcan to for overdosing on heroin or bodies that you're picking up off the side of the road uh, because they've overdosed on heroin, how many of them are on welfare? 
and they're like and, and they're like they all have an EBT card or they're all on welfare. I can't think of any that aren't on welfare. These guys that are overdosed in these cities and these streets. So you have this whole like subculture of people in a lot of these urban areas. We have Manchester, New Hampshire is the biggest city near me. It's like a hundred thousand population. And we got some drug encampments and pretty much you go walking through these areas and everybody is a heroin addict. And, and it's super clear. And I talked to like the local law enforcement or first responders there. They're like, yep, all these guys are on welfare. They're all using EBT cards. You go ask a guy in the local corner store. Yep, they're all swiping EBT cards. Right. And, um, what, and what's the Democrat answer? <clears throat> give them more. Yeah. Give yeah, them yeah, more yeah. resources. Give them more money. I mean, uh, it, just to circle back to your original point about real estate, it's actually not just inflation. And this is as a developer in the state of California and as a mortgage broker in that, that state for over a decade. Let me tell you. The, the regulation environment in California, all of those costs, we're talking fifty dollars to $100,000 per door that goes towards the regulatory bodies, including the cities, including the taxes that you pay to the state of California on top of that. We're talking enormous sums. All of that, every single penny of it gets added to the price tag and passed on to the, the end consumer, which is the person that buys that home. On top of that, you have the Federal Reserve, which is debasing your currency year after year, decade after decade. Um, so it is almost entirely a government-created program yes. on top of the fact that they also will regulate housing density, how many ho how many housing units you're supposed to be able to put there, even though it's your private property and you ought to be able to decide. No, 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 you can't. There will be regulatory bodies that will come in and tell you how many houses, how much, how much uh, you know, uh, not just square footage, but how large each parcel has to be for each home so yep. that you can't do density, like higher density, even though there's a tremendous amount of need for housing in the state of California, doesn't matter. This is all government-created problems. And, and it seems like all the new housing being built everywhere is this homeowner association, you know, nonsense to where you have such crazy and insane fees, just like 500 yeah. bucks a month just for the HOA. And then it's like a couple thousand dollars for taxes. And even here, right here, I, I was talking to a guy, um, locally at the park today and he was telling me that his daughter uh, had to s force sell her house here in north miami and it was because her her homeowner's insurance went to nine thousand dollars per month that's crazy. I, I said what per month he says yes per month because she because she had a mortgage she had to have the the uh wind coverage and the water coverage which is just m makes it like insane and that number, her her homeowner's insurance, so something like twenty four hundred dollars a year. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, twenty four hundred dollars a month, not per year. Uh, like three or four years ago, and for some reason, it's nine thousand dollars. So she basically was gonna, as because she has a mortgage, she has to have that insurance, and she no longer could afford to own a house. So her her husband, they both work jobs. They got three children. They had to move back in with uh, him. He was telling me they're living in my house now. Yeah. That's absolutely crazy. And it's criminal what's happening to hardworking, everyday Americans who, who can't even uh, survive. Property taxes are absolutely unethical. They're absolutely evil. Uh, Laverne, I want to kind of go to you saying, how can we address a lot of these problems? Uh, but before we do that, we have some rumble rants that I wanted to get into. We have one from Crash Bandit who said, quote, so we could be putting enemy soldiers in our U.S. military, then turn them on the U.S. population. Sounds like a great idea. Adam 19 says, thank you, Luke. And Synonymous says, Joe Noodles. And Synonymous also said, Clint, don't do it. Whatever that was, Clint, don't do it. <laughs> but uh, Laverne, how do we deal with these larger problems? Because it does seem like the middle class, any person who wants to work, any person who wants to make something out of themselves faces so many freaking hurdles, those hurdles being government. 
That's exactly it. And what we are seeing now is even a larger stretch between the have and the have nots. Because once again, if you're in the working class, just like you just said, with the person that their insurance on their house is going up to $9,000, then you have a mortgage, you got your taxes, you got everything else. How are they going to afford that? So, of course, that's going to force more people to become homeless and then once again you have the senior um homeowners that now because of the increased value of these homes here in miami in the inner cities that was once selling for 15 and thirty thousand dollars now the minimum cost is $500,000, even in the inner cities. So how are these seniors going to afford to pay those taxes and insurances on their homes? They so can't. And, and, they what, can. and what, what do they turn they to? Can. They turn to the government and they say, I need help. So exactly. it, make, it makes these people all wards of the state. It's tragic. Yeah, the government breaks your legs and then provides you a very, very expensive pair of crutches. Yep. Can we get rid of property taxes? Can we? Is that something you would you'd stand behind, uh, Laverne? Uh, why not? Why not get rid of some of these taxes? That would help. Um, I mean, uh, help the people a lot because it's a burden. Once again, especially for that senior population. But then we also got to cut spending. Where's the where's the spending that we're cutting? Well, one we could start with some of them uh, billions of dollars that they send into Ukraine. We could cut that. I'm sure that would help out tremendously. Well, we're going to get into Israel in a second uh, because there was one of the most horrific acts of uh, peaceful protest. I guess you could call it peaceful um, that we've ever seen. But uh, before we do that, I'm curious: do you have do you hold the same position when it comes to cutting off aid to Israel? Well, so far as Israel, okay, this is what I'm saying. I'm. A, I just want to be clear. We already sent eighty billion to Ukraine. So every time something come up, it's sending more and more and more billions and billions upon dollars to Ukraine. So that's why I'm saying that. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to be clear about that. No, I, I understand. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm just saying. I mean, so that was going to be my segue to okay. the story that yeah, we have uh, specifically pulled up here. And that's this uh, Air Force engineer who died in the hospital. I was going to kind of ask you the same question because the spending bill that they have uh, right now on the table that luckily uh, members of Congress voted down was specifically a portion of money to Ukraine, a portion of money to Taiwan, and a portion of money to Israel. Would you support any money going to any of those countries or would you say, no, I don't want a dime going to Taiwan, Israel, and Ukraine? Well, not only that, and I don't want to die and going to Somalia either. Yeah, let's let's define this uh, foreign aid. Foreign aid is when you take you steal money from the poor people of a wealthy nation and you give it to the wealthy people of a poor nation. Foreign aid to Ukraine does not help out any average Joe in Ukraine or Israel or Taiwan. It just all goes to the political class. Well, it just actually, makes them more it's powerful. It's killed hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians if you yeah, actually yes. look into it deeply. I couldn't agree more. I think that that you know financially we are so so at the end of our rope. It's absolutely fucking insane that we're continuing to even talk about sending money to any other country. We have a 34 trillion dollar national debt. We we we're spending six trillion dollars annually while only having approximately four trillion dollars in tax receipts. That's a two trillion dollar annually uh, annual net deficit. 
It took 200 plus years of American history before we had our first trillion dollar national debt. We are spending more than twice that every fucking year, ladies and gentlemen. On top of that, the interest rates, just the just the interest alone on our national debt is more than we spend on national defense. That's how much we're going to spend over the next 12 months. It is totally unsustainable. So why are we sending 50 billion to Somalia? I I don't know how much we're sending there, but I promise you we shouldn't be. Uh, to fund the next enemy, a little clarification on the national debt at 34 trillion dollars. Understand, that is for the United States. And the United States is defined as District of Columbia, territories and possessions. So the state of Florida has its own state debt. The county of Miami-Dade has its own debt. The city of Miami has its own debt that is all owed. Uh, and it's on these like M3 or M6 reports that you can look up uh, at the uh, New York Federal Reserve Bank. That number is like 20 years ago was like $1.6 quadrillion that was owed to the Federal Reserve by all of the municipal corporations, the school districts, the fire districts, the water districts. They all owe all this debt. So the $34 trillion is actually not that much in the whole scheme of things, which is absolutely insane. And where does most of our tax dollars actually go? The figures I've been, I understand, like 80% of the tax dollars in New Hampshire anyways are going to service government employee pensions. And the government employee, and, and then the rest is for infra infrastructure. This is why the taxes are so high and infrastructure is so poor. So one of the big problems we have is all these government employees were sold this pension program that's guaranteed by pointing guns at taxpayers to make sure it gets paid. And like that's something that has to be remedied because I don't know about you guys, but I sent a tax assessor a letter and I said, please provide the instrument that bears my signature where I agree to, to uh, fund the pension funds or service the pension fund of the of, of the school district employees, of these teachers unions, of, of anybody. I, I, I did actually it's, multiple It's the same requests. signature that you put on the social contract. You know this. No, I, I, I didn't put any signature I'm, on the social it's, contract. It's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I never signed that. Uh, I never did selective service. I don't have a social security number. I never participated in any of these things. Are you a national? I am a New Hampshire national, not a U.S. national. How, how did you manage to not have a Social Security number? Did your parents not? Yeah, my father never sold me into slavery. That's amazing. And it's been, it's been a learning curve. You know, tr try owning a home and getting things done and getting any kind of financing. or anything. You, can't get, you, you can't get financing. I, you know, I was able to buy a house, but I you know, saved my money. No, you got to do it all cash or go, go to a private lender. They might do it. Right, and, and that's what I did. I was actually uh, fortunate enough to come up with a private lender, and I had some, uh, I had some collateral that he was willing to accept. And, uh, yeah, so I, got a, you know, I bought a house that was in disrepair that couldn't get a bank mortgage on it. And in fact... You're going to find that here in Florida, I think, if you got a little cash and you can, you're willing to own a house and not have insurance on it because that's just a major, you know, payment if you're going to have a bank loan that you're going to be able to, you know, buy these houses right because the value of them is going to drop, especially as these people start dropping off, not being able to afford them. But no, people, unless people, BlackRock comes in and right. starts buying all the homes as well. But I, I bet a lot of people have a lot of questions uh, for you, Jay, especially about uh, the way that you've been kind of living your life. Uh, but we're going to get to that in a little bit as, of course, we're going to go now to uh, the members call in on LukeUnfiltered.com. And of course, we have Andrew G joining us, calling in right now. Andrew, thank you so much for becoming a member. Thank you so much for calling in. And uh, uh, feel pretty, free to... Pretty sure that's Mike Benz, Luke. Is that Mike Benz's brother? Andrew, <laughs> are you related to Mike no. Benz? 
I'm not. No, my, I do have a brother named Mike, but no. <laughs> Mike Ben's his brother. All right, dude. Oddly enough, another coincidence is I actually, I didn't even put this on. It was already on earlier, this Dada shirt. I didn't even switch into it. So. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, lots of weird things going on. But no, I wanted to ask, so like um, with, with the cell phone outages and with everything that's been going on, it just kind of feels like we're in V for Vendetta where they're like lining up the dominoes and waiting to tip everything over. And, uh, you know, I recently looked into like getting a satellite phone, but they're like extremely expensive for me to get one and for, you know, any of my extended family to get one. Um, I just feel like it would be like very, very expensive to do that. And I'm just wondering like, what sort of things should people have? Like I have sternos, I have, you know, some backup food, but I'm just wondering like, what should people be on the lookout for and what should we have? Like what's a must have, what are easy things for us to have to like kind of be prepared for like those dominoes when they first start falling? Andrew, great question. Thank you so much uh, for calling. And we're going to go around the room. Everyone's going to tell them uh, uh, their one survival item that they definitely recommend. Uh, but to answer your questions about the survival phones, most iPhones now also have connectivity with satellites. Uh, a lot of U.S. Uh, representatives, specifically U.S. senators last year, were given satellite phones. And they are pretty expensive. But you could also get something called Starlink, which also allows you to, of course, communicate uh, through satellites and have internet. And uh, th that might be something that might be worth looking into, especially if you live in a place like Florida, where if there is a hurricane and the power grid goes down, you could have a generator, you could have Starlink, and you could communicate if, uh, let's just say, the communication cables are, are cut through the hurricane and you have a backup way of being able to send and receive data. So something like a Starlink, I think, might be worth looking into if you're if you're in nature and and do a lot of hiking like i do i made sure i upgraded uh the the iphone because the iphone if you're lost has satellite communication i also have a garmin device that also has that it doesn't provide um communication but it provides you an emergency button that you could kind of press if you're lost that does send emergency services to your location as it is a kind of gps satellite kind of device as well so i always uh make sure to try to have uh you know a, a lot of things here prepared for myself but uh, starlink i think is something that here in florida as well as my generator are my number one to kind of go when it comes to dealing with the hazards here because you're not just dealing with human disasters you're also dealing with natural disasters that could happen at any moment could happen at any time there could be a solar flare there could be nuclear war in outer space as uh, again prophesized by the u.s corporate media there could be deliberate the destruction of, of american infrastructure whatever happens uh, the one thing that I would strongly recommend you also have is a good relationship with your neighbors. Uh, a couple days ago, me and Stephanie went around. We started giving out pies to the neighbors, starting conversations, getting to know them. That's going to be something that's going to be absolutely valuable if ish hits the fan as of course that's that's something your relationships your community that that's going to safeguard you from a lot of the outside threats against you i'm, uh, I'm dating half of the women on this street just just to make sure that we have <laughs> good relations they, they don't know that 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 they're dating but but clint thinks that they're dating oh no i am uh, they've been <laughs> you've seen the videos he shows you every day anyways laverne what, do, what would you recommend people do? what's your number one survival item here mre's military ready meals make sure you have them because they do not expire spoil or anything like that and they also have some that are self-heating 
So that would be great as well. If I got to pick one, I am going to say your skill set. So you can have all these hippy dippy yuppie things that you buy because you're a famous YouTuber and make all kinds of money or whatever you're doing. You're a corporate, you know, um, you know, you're a corporate corporate finance bro, and you you, know, you got a hot rod car and you got all these all, all these cool things and tactical stuff, but you don't know how to use them or you don't practice with them. I feel like he's but, I feel like he's speaking directly to me. He's he's uh, making. Direct eye contact with Clint. No, I, I, I'm a YouTuber <laughs> with a former uh, corporation, and I f- drive a fancy car, fancy sports car. Jay, uh, you, you, you just tell him. You just call him. Just call, call me okay. out, dude. Just he go deserves ahead. it. And, and, uh, well, you can say Clint Russell. <laughs> you need to say his name. Well, Clint, thank, thanks for telling me a little more about you. I, I, I didn't really know, and I didn't want Luke to think I was picking on him because <laughs> I know you transferred from the YouTube because he thought it was too targeted to Luke. So then he pivots to me and but, everything I've done throughout my life, and that the, drives fancy cars. <laughs> the, and, <laughs> the reason I pick on YouTubers is because the young kids all right now want to be YouTubers. I know, I know. I'm just and, giving you know you what is you know the average YouTuber worth today? The average you know not much. W- when I was a kid, I wanted to be a professional sports ball player, and at like six years old, I had an aunt who ta- who, who straightened me out on that. I remember the conversation very vividly. But a lot of my friends really worked hard at athletics in school to get a college scholarship because they were looking for a scout to get in the NFL, to get in the NBA, to get in Major League Baseball. And, you know, those guys, you know, a lot of those guys got a quarter million dollars worth of, you know, student debt. You know, they're, they're, they're living back home with mom uh, or or they're having, you know, really difficult situations. And like right now, what's the average athlete worth at 35, 40 years old? Basically nothing. Uh, in my presentation on uh, how not to F up your kids, I talk about, you know, making your kids valuable and training them to be, a, you know, to earn a dopamine hit to want to be like a mechanic, for example, because what right now, what's the average mechanic worth? The average mechanic is very valuable. You, you know, all these repair shops are hiring guys. You can, you know, any, any uh, car dealership is going to give a competent mechanic with some experience, a, a starting salary of 45 to $50 an hour. You're going to make $80 an hour working for Kenworth or Peterbilt. If you got like years of, yep. of experience and if or, you want to be an electrician, I mean, yeah, <clears throat> the, all well, the trades. Well, and if you want to be like your own entrepreneur and say heavy equipment repair, that's what I do for a living, heavy equipment repair. Uh, I bill $125 an hour. I have all the work I could possibly do. And I only work on things I want. I, I actually only work on equipment. I only work with people I want on their stuff. And I got uh, friends that are doing uh, my same work and they're out on the road doing, they're billing 200 to $350 an hour uh, for their work. And if, when it comes to like auto repair, it is the basics of electrical, plumbing, uh, mechanical stuff. You can be anything else you want if you want to be a car mechanic. But yeah, your skills are your most valuable set. And I, I want people to know I'm not picking on Luke because Luke came out of Brooklyn to my property and he spent months building his skills. And when he started developing his skills, he, he did the survival apocalypse training courses. And you'll know when you learn a skill, you learn your skill. But when you teach that skill to somebody else, now you understand that skill at a whole new dynamic. And Luke was getting right. a, a whole bunch of city slickers. That I, I, A whole bunch of great people came to my property, you know, those summers uh, from like New York City, New Jersey, Connecticut. And these guys didn't like, you know, half of them never held a gun before. And like Luke, Luke uh, taught them how to shoot a gun. 
uh, we uh, we ran around, uh, gathered up. We went and bought a bunch of chickens from a neighbor of mine who was getting rid of his chickens. We taught people how to catch chickens and then kill their own chicken and, you know, prepare their own chicken and cook it. And, like, talk about building some confidence in some people. Like, by the end of the survival apocalypse training courses he was doing, these guys were like, wow, I never thought I'd ever do anything like that. It was so great. So, yeah, definitely Luke, like, stepped up his game big time from, from becoming a city slicker to a, to a mountain man in the woods in New Hampshire, and now he's hanging out in Miami. Yeah, we, we, uh, we might be doing more survival courses here in uh, Florida. And uh, I remember during that course, there was this, like, sweet old lady that came from Boston, <laughs> this elderly woman in her 80s, and she was demanding to shoot the 50AE Magnum. And I'm like, no, 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 you can't. She's like, no, I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to shoot it. And if you know the 50AE, it's one of the most powerful handguns out there that uh, if, if you've had your wrist broken, you shouldn't be shooting. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, so I made sure to, of course, follow proper uh, safety protocols. But uh, if... If Ish hits the fan, I am absolutely making Clint my slave. I am absolutely indenturing him in my backyard. He will be someone that will be working for me, as, of course, I now train uh, tactically with uh, Florida police officers uh, every week for four hours, uh, very intensely. So I might be sharing some of those skill sets, and I might be doing a class for uh, members, or I might be doing a, a class that's going to be open to the public. And uh, Clint knows. Um, I, I definitely has the, have the skills. He went out to a couple classes himself. And, an animal. Uh, real shit. And, but, but I just want to say real and, quick. Uh, Clint, you know, you'll be giving some meals. <clears throat> you, uh, you'll, you'll be taken care of. You'll have look, somewhere look, to sleep. Uh, you'll no. just have to, you know, uh, you know, you know, you have to tend to the, 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 the garden. Uh, well, no, uh, no. Uh, but I, I'm fine with. You won't have a choice. Uh, no, I'm fine with slavery, but it's gonna it's gonna be sex slavery. I'm not I'm not doing any of this fucking hard labor bullshit. Get the fuck out of here. You're you're not one of those Amish. What is what, what Jay? What did you call those Amish guys? That the, uh, the Amish popper. Yeah, you're not an Amish popper. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't don't get too too ahead of yourself there, well, buddy. I'm going to be a sex slave, so that's fine. All right. Look, Bring the number one thing. Mean raw milk. <laughs> the number one thing. The number one thing you need. Uh, in my humble estimation, even though all of these have been uh, great tips, wh what we're talking about during this apocalyptic meltdown is the entire collapse of the state. And you're going to have no no police, no fire, no nothing. If you don't own a gun, you are absolutely fucked. So I think that uh, a gun is, I mean, a lot of preppers, they'll, they'll get food rations and all sorts of shit. If you can't defend all the stuff that you've, you've you know, garnered or, or gathered up, then it's worthless. So I think that that's very important. Steph, Steph what, what's your number one survival item? Exit the matrix. And how, okay, how are you going to do, what, what item, are you, are you going to use mushrooms? What are you doing here? Let, let us know here. What's going on? It's an unpopular uh, path. Give us some details here. Like what, what, what tools? For number tool? one, you sell get all your shit. Okay. So apocalypse happens, you sell all your stuff. Number two, you, you. How much of that stuff is going to be my stuff? <laughs> What? The good stuff. <laughs> okay, keep going. Number two, you you detach from all of your material things and you go learn some permaculture, get some land, get out of here. It's not easy. Okay. Steph is, uh, Steph is so dead during the apocalypse. It's unbelievable. I'm going to have two slaves now instead of one <laughs> slave that we're going to have in the backyard here. But, uh, you know, they, they'll be taken care of. Uh, I prefer indentured servant. Please. Uh, whatever. You guys will be put to work, but it's so, okay. A Andrew, I, I hope we uh, answered your, your question. Anything else you would like to say? 
Hey, once I get Neuralink, I'll be in bliss. So it won't matter, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Andrew, thank you so much for becoming a member. Thank you so much for calling in. Really appreciate your support. And thank you so much for being a part of the conversation and asking a really awesome question. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Another quick thing Thanks. for Andrew is communications is a concern of his. He should join a ro- local ham radio club and get involved in ham radio. We got the uh, Pine Tree Radio C- Club in New Hampshire, which is run by a free stater. And uh, we're, and he has uh, meetings every, uh, like every other Sunday or a couple times a month. And he's just teaching anybody. He's an old retired fellow. And he's teaching anybody that wants all about communications when the grids are down. So ham radios, CB radios are really uh, inexpensive and cheap. And you can just operate off of a 12-volt battery. But the, the, the CB radio communication is, is, is a real good one. And you got a little money to uh, and time to put into it. Check out uh, a, a local ham radio yeah. club. Shout, shout out to John C. Dvorak and Adam Curry, the No Agenda podcast. They've been talking about ham radio for years. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. All right. Now to uh, change things up on a more <clears throat> serious note, as, of course, we have this story coming from Washington, D.C., showing an Air Force engineer who... Pause it. Yeah. Is this the graphic one? No, I don't think there's a graphic one. I think they're oh. all censored. No, there's I, a graphic I, one. I saw the graphic one yesterday. Yeah, I don't recommend watching the graphic one. We're, I, I just yeah. played the video here by the Daily Mail, which kind okay. of highlights Go his ahead. comments. I, I don't know I, if I, you guys were able to see some of this video, but this is. I, I watched this last night, and luckily I watched the censored version. Yeah. I don't want to watch the, 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 the real cannot, graphic version. I cannot advise highly enough to avoid the, the uncensored one. It's. It, it will stick with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, this story is, is being talked all, a lot. There's some people who are showing kind of their worst colors with this story. Some people, some political commentators are saying, F this guy. Uh, some people are attacking him because he's a leftist. But, but uh, again, this is an Air Force engineer, a young man in his 20s, who decided to light himself on fire to protest the war in Palestine, as, of course, he literally walked to the embassy in Washington, D.C., the Israeli embassy, gave out a small political message, as, of course, uh, the message here, the, the whole video here, everything here, it's, it's, it's very deep. It, it, it's very impactful. It's very, holy fuck, I can't believe I'm watching something like this unfold, as, of course, we previously saw very similar images when it came to the Vietnam War here in the United States, and now we are dealing with that same kind of situation with the United States supporting Israel and there are larger kind of war efforts inside of Palestine right now. And uh, we're not going to play any gory parts here, but these are some of the words from this young man who took his own life outside of the Israeli embassy just a few hours ago. Active duty member of the United States Air Force, and I will no longer be complicit in genocide. I'm about to engage in an extreme act of protest but compared to what people have been experiencing in Palestine at the hands of their colonizers, it's not extreme at all. This is what our ruling class has decided will be normal. Yeah, personally watching this video myself and you see him using a a flask of what looks like gasoline, you see him kind of struggling with the lighter um before he lit himself on, on fire this this video this this action definitely has a lot of mixed results and a lot of people 
discussing it in many different ways. Some people on the right are attacking him. Some people on the left are also uh, attacking him. Some people are praising him for, for starting the conversation. What do you guys think of this larger kind of action that is starting so many different conversations? Well, I guess I'll, I'll start and let, <laughs> let them process, but... Um, I'm not going to praise or condemn him. I think it's absolutely tragic to take your own life uh, in such a horrific fashion. But I will say, uh, I think that it's important that those that find themselves on either side of this divide, those that describe themselves as being pro-Palestine or pro-Israel, really reflect on the nature of war, what it amounts to, the human suffering that it entails. Uh, I know that this man, this young man was uh, attempting to get this conversation started in this way. And it's tragic that perhaps this is what's necessary for some people to, to reassess their priors on, on this kind of tribalistic approach. But what's really happening in every war is that innocent people are blown to bits. They're lit on fire. They die in famine or pestilence. It's absolutely horrific. The cost of war is catastrophic. Any military vet that has gone and fought, you will, they will tell you the same. I grew up in San Diego, right next to Camp Pendleton. I knew tons of uh, military veterans and Marines that participated in the War on Terror. And to a man, they all were pretty fucked up over it. And, and I just think that, that if there's one thing, one good thing I hope comes from this is that people will have to really think deeply about the, the human suffering that, that war entails. Yeah, a lot of people were making jokes about this and memes about this as soon as it happened. Yeah, and, it disturbed and, me. and I was like, what are you doing? Like, a, a guy lost his life here. And, you know, today we also found out about the death of Lord Jacob Rothschild. And a lot of people are like celebrating that. And, and I don't want to be someone who celebrates death. I don't want to be someone who worships a death cult because, uh, again, death comes for us all. And we should have a lot of respect, especially when it comes to life. And we we should cherish life. We should respect life. This guy gave his life for a political cause, an idea that he believed in. A very young life. He looked very healthy. He looked like he had life in his eyes. And he decided to take it for what's happening, what he described as a genocide. Now, whether you believe it's a genocide or not a, a genocide, I, I think at least um, this man deserves a, a start of a conversation that I think is long overdue here in the United States. But that's just my two cents. I don't know what you guys think about this uh, particular matter. Uh, Jay or, or Laverne, feel free to add your kind of two cents uh, on this as well. Well, I'll make it quick and simple. Um, like... I don't know, 10 years ago, the uh, suicide rate, the a average daily suicide rate of a military veteran, and I believe this was con you know, active and former military number, was like 22 a day. So like the, the uh, conflict, one of these conflicts in the Middle East, Iraq, I Afghanistan, was still active, and there was more people dying of, more military uh, folk dying of suicide than actual combat. I don't know what that number is right now, but just, just it's it's more than we more U.S. troops have lost their lives to their own hand than have lost their lives to combat in our lifetimes. So something very wrong is going on. If if, if this to think and like I'm sure this guy had to have burnt himself at least once before. He knew he was going to. Uh, I mean, some serious pain. Uh, like and this is yeah. Like, people don't understand how how like excruciating pain burns are. You were a firefighter. You know more than anyone. Well, I actually didn't really ever get burnt fighting fires, but I'm a welder and a blacksmith, and I get burnt doing that stuff all the time. And 
to like purposely burn yourself is like, you know, when you're branding calves, they are trying real hard to get away from you because they know it's going to hurt before you even go get next to them with the branding iron. I've done that work too also. But the, you know, j just the idea of like this guy knew it was so horrible and so bad that he was going to make it a point to the world to, to, to literally burn himself to death, which is probably, you know, I would take suffocation over getting burned to death. And then, you know, he died in a hospital. So this guy was in pain and agony like for however many hours and he had to have known that like he probably might not die right away because this is what happens with burn victims they usually don't die right away like in car accidents and stuff they die days later of like an infection or like you know you know horrible things so what i mean what is the recipe to put a man in that situation and this happens what at least 23 times per day i don't know what the current number is but like it, this alone, like the, the military industrial complex, like needs to be stopped. It's, it's out of hand. Well, let, let me just add too, for those that haven't seen the video, uh, you know, what he does is he, he pours the gasoline on his head and then he, he, he struggles to light his lighter for 15 or 20 seconds. Uh, by the time he finally, uh, you know, ignites himself, it, it immediately engulfs his entire body. And it's one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen only in this one way is that he stays standing for approximately 25 seconds and he continues to scream uh, free Palestine. Uh, he does it three or four times through also screams of absolute agony. It looks as if he's about to collapse and then there's this like five or six second pause and then he gets out one last blood curdling cry of free Palestine and then about 10 seconds later he finally collapses. It's one of the most... It's one of the most profound things I've ever witnessed in my life. And I, and I, I'm still processing how I feel about it just as a human being. Um, it's heartbreaking. I, I've talked to a handful of people that have uh, been really, really traumatized by military combat. One of them was this guy, Dave Reed. He was, uh, he taught me a lot of blacksmithing. You know, he's 50 years older than me. He was a uh, Korean war and, um, did like the horrifying stuff this man one of the toughest men i ever knew just started bawling crying telling me about you know literally they were you know just incinerating entire villages and you know there's just babies and children and and like and like most of the men weren't even in the village because they'd already been you know killed in combat and right. you know the thing was is they're going they're looking at the aftermath of what they have done in the name of spreading democracy and freedom and this guy struggled seriously with alcohol and all kinds of other drugs. And he, he, he would just tell me these stories like, you know, like totally obliterated. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and he uh, would just talk about how, like, you know, there was no purpose for this. And, like, you know, th this didn't have to happen. I have another friend that was in Afghanistan. And he was special forces. And he was telling me that uh, they would they would would get a name of a guy uh they would go get him and he'd, he'd be some family man some farmer and what he realized years later uh that these guys are never terrorists nobody nobody was al-qaeda nobody worked with al-qaeda and but what they were is these were the farmers that re refused to be part of the heroin trade they refused to grow uh, the opium they refused to cultivate it they refused to work in the heroin processing because this was afghanistan one of the elements of afghanistan was to push heroin into europe and the united states and you'll see where the american occupation of uh, afghanistan the uh the uh, the the heroin rates and opium rates coming out of afghanistan went up by like almost ten thousand percent during those years 
and it, it has destroyed our cities. It has destroyed, actually destroyed all of most of America, just tons of people in rural America, tons of people in the cities that all got hooked on opiates through, you know, good hardworking contractors hurt their shoulder and the doctors dope them up with some Vicodin or something and then they can't get it and they go to the street drugs. Yep. And or, or Oxycontin. <clears throat> All that stuff. So it was the American military, the DEA, the CIA. They're all over there, essentially, and incentivizing, the, uh, subsidizing the cultivation, the harvesting, the uh, the processing, and the transportation and distribution of straight up heroin uh, in, in, into the Western cultures and the Western war, uh, world. And uh, like my special forces buddy, he's like, "Yeah, we were literally killing guys just like you, Jay. You know, that were just trying to farm and raise their kids." And uh, we were just taking them and they would get, you know, tortured. And these guys knew nothing. They were just resistance to the narrative. And the narrative was to produce uh, poppy um, to, to, for, 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 for the heroin trade. And if the American politicians love heroin, they love uh, autism. They love all these things that distract families. Because if you have a child that's a heroin addict or that's autistic, are you going to vote? Do you even care? Do you have the energy to pay attention to who to vote for? Uh, and so, so this is just a part of another silent weapon is uh, this, um, you know, and the blow and, and, the, and the fallout of the American GIs that come home and they realize this, or if this guy here was, he, he realized it before he even went home. Yeah, so he what, did he, what did he see? Been deployed. What did he see in Palestine, right? To, to make him want to make a, such a strong, bold statement about free Palestine. What, you know, based on what my friends were seeing in Korea, um, you know, 50, 70 years ago, whenever it was, and my friend in, in, in Afghanistan, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, whenever that was, um, you know, and, and, and now it's gotten to the point to where, like, uh, he, it broke him down. Because we're not designed to be warriors, you know, and, and, and the people, you know, if we want to thrive, we need to be lovers, and, and love all things. And so this is going against what human nature really is, is this whole war machine and people crack and they can't handle it anymore. It's, um, I, I really pray for that man's family and, and, and him, uh, because it's, uh, it's horrible. And uh, everybody in the U S military, just go AWOL. So this don't happen to you. Just stop it. Stop taking orders. They're all corrupt. It's, it's pretty tragic what they have been able to get away with and how much life has been lost for, for what? Uh, U.S. debt? For, for what? Uh, an alleged U.S. interest that isn't really in the best interest of America or its people? It's, it's absolutely infuriating. Uh, Laverne, I don't know if you have any comments about this particular situation or veteran yeah, affairs or how, just, you know. Just very short, though. You know, that just goes to show why um, mental health and taking care of your mental health is so important. Because once again, what was his mindset, you know, to want to implement all of that pain upon himself and upon his body by mm -hmm. setting himself on fire? So... Mental health is very important. And once again, prayers up for the family because that's a very sad situation. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, based off of his posts and, and his commentary before he committed the act of self-immolation, I'm not at all certain that his, his mental health was actually the issue here. Um, I think that he, he believed deeply, uh, much as the, the monk in South Vietnam, who who lit himself on fire in protest, uh, you know, 50 years ago, or 60 years ago now, I guess. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm certainly not endorsing or saying that he was in his right mind to actually commit the act, but he wasn't, uh, he wasn't obviously insane. It, it seemed as if it was someone who 
who passionately believed in this cause. And I think that it's, I hope that people will reflect on their advocacy for either side of this war. And, and hopefully people will call for a ceasefire because the, the loss of innocent life has been catastrophic. And I, I just hope that it ends soon. Yeah, most crazy people, you could see the crazy in their eyes. You, you could see it in their facial expressions. You could see it with their kind of body language. They're usually manic. They're usually all over the place. They're not really there. He didn't look like that. He, he looked like he was speaking very coherently, very calmly, and very passionately about something that he viewed as something very important. And uh, I, I think more than ever, we're, 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 you know, again, I'm not trying to normalize this. I'm not trying to say this is okay, but this is the reality of war. Um, what he went through is what a lot of people in Ukraine are going through. A lot of people in Palestine are going through. A lot of people all over the world are going through needlessly because of sociopathic politicians that, of course, think that they could rule over others and tell them what to do. That right there is something that definitely needs to be addressed, and it becomes addressed with conversations about what allegiance do you have? Do you have allegiance to God, or do you have allegiance to the state? Because if you have allegiance to the state, you're doing a lot of really awful, horrible things that are not in the best interest of you, your man, or your country. And I think that's been clear more than ever with this kind of political leadership. The, the, the other reason that I tend to think that he was, at least he had his mental faculties, is because you can... You can actually hear his breathing is very short as he knows what he's about to do, you know, and th this is not the action of someone who uh, was just taking a, an irrational leap. It, it had been it had been measured. It had been thought about for quite some time, it seems. So um, it's just it's just absolutely heartbreaking. It really is. And, and you know, if you if you decide that you want to see it for yourself, um, you know, I just really want to caution you. Like, I would highly encourage you to watch the censored version. It is, it is something that you'll never forget. How do we transition to uh, your show and the images that you no showed idea. on screen that uh, traumatized Stephanie? I have, um, no, I have no idea. We'll wait. We'll wait a little bit. I, I, I think we're gonna call it uh, for now. As of course, this was uh, a, a, a great show. Thank you so much, uh, Jay and Laverne, for for joining us. We didn't always agree, but we had a really fascinating, deep conversation that I think we all kind of learned from. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity for for you, Laverne, to come here and to speak to us and to tell us about your platform and and what you represent. Uh, we're gonna go around and then tell everyone where people could find uh, you guys and support you guys. But before that, make sure to subscribe. We're almost at 100K subscribers. You know what happens when that happens. I uh, become a sex slave. It's going to be amazing. Uh, he wishes <laughs> something else happens. But uh, um, I, I don't know who's going to want to slave that up. But, oh, uh, there's plenty. Uh, they all live on this street. They're all waiting. I don't know about that. But uh, well, again, um, <laughs> subscribe. Uh, to the bestpoliticalshow.com. We're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, we're on YouTube, we're on Rumble. Uh, subscribe, as of course, we have uh, we have guests lined up all the way until mid-April. So we have a lot of really incredible, high-profile, amazing people like Laverne, like Jay, coming on this show three days out of the week, usually Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern. So uh, stay tuned for those conversations and a lot more all here on the Best Political Show. Dot com. Uh, Laverne, where can people find you? You're, you're running. Where can they support you? Who's your opposition? How can they get involved with the, what you're doing? Okay, you can support me by going to Laverne Spicer 
Com. That's LavernSpicer.com. And you can follow me on X at Laverne Spicer. Awesome, Laverne. Thank you so much. Jay? So I'm Jay Noon. You can uh, check me out at jnoon.com uh, where you can learn about what man camp is. You can learn about uh, investing in our posterity, uh, getting our kids to uh, grow up to be valuable, useful, competent uh, people. Uh, my website is not complete. You can also uh, donate to me via crypto if you like to support what I'm doing. Check out what I'm doing. And that's uh, jnoon.com, J-A-Y-N-O-O-N-E.com. Now, Clint, why did you show your, your behold to Tower Gang and Stephanie watched it and you traumatized her? Why did uh, you do that? I feel like that's a bit of a misdirect. Uh, but Ansonia says, $1 fuck midget Larry Zelensky. Let's not call everybody Hitler. He's not a good guy, but he's not Hitler. Come on. Uh, Lane Boy. Gitler. Okay. I forgot about these. Oh, Thanks for reading them. Majitler. Uh, Majitler. Uh, Lane Boy says, cool shirt, Clint. I've been loving the show from Top and Raven. They're talking about Nephilim Death Squad recently. Uh, personally, although it was sudden, I thought the buttholes that Tyler put up were hilarious because of the conversation you guys were having. Uh, that is in reference to Tower Gang. Once again, my sincere apologies to Steph, who had her... Uh, her eyeballs <laughs> deflowered uh, by our uh, by our degenerate program. This is why when I tell you I also co-host this show called Tower Gang and that you should not watch, I'm being honest. Do not watch it. The show that you ought to be watching is Liberty Lockdown, which a new episode drops tonight at 10 o'clock. Uh, it'll only be on Rumble because YouTube fucking sucks at life and they have suspended me once again for telling you the truth too early. Six months too early, they always fucking kick me off. But... I, I go deep on uh, the video that we discussed tonight, uh, as well as uh, more of my thesis as to the, the Russia-Ukraine insanity, as well as Israel-Palestine. Do not miss it. Liberty Lockdown. Steph, describe your trauma that uh, you uh, had to be Luke. forced into when it came to watching Clint. on Luke, uh, the you as of all people know, it's not good to relive that. <laughs> yes, move on. We're moving on. But tell people where they can follow. You can follow me on X at StephWRC or on Instagram at StephWeAreChange. And I love talking to anyone that wants to DM me. You're, you're going to get a lot of fucking creeps. You, you don't know one. what you're asking for, <laughs> woman. You have no idea what's going to happen. Message gonna me! <laughs> Send, uh, yeah, do what you, do what you will. Yeah. That was a huge mistake. That was a big mistake. That's a big no one's my friend, so it doesn't matter. Well, you're going to have a lot of creepy friends in about an hour. Yeah, you don't want friends with those guys. <laughs> but uh, on that note... I don't want friends with Tower Gang. They're on weird. Note, on the next episode, we are going to be opening up Stephanie's DMs live on air, <laughs> 6 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday... Uh, tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern, stay tuned. We got a lot of great people oh. coming in studio. Wednesday, we got another great show. Saturday, in real life, meet up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Clint, you have something to say? Yeah, I just wanted to let people know. I just got rebooked. Uh, shout out to Cassandra. She booked me for... No March, one cares about that. March 20th, Tim Cast oh, okay. IRL. Uh, the uh -huh. Beanie Man! I'll be back in the castle. You're going to polish the beanie. I wonder if the new studio will be open. That'd be cool if I get to see uh, it. It's not. It's never, it never will it's be. It's never, you're, never you're, will you're be. Gonna, <laughs> you're going to go there. Oh, Beanie Man. Oh, so if you want to watch that uh, fellatio show, tune in, tune in, tune in, tune in, tune in at that time. Uh, Tuesday, 6 p.m., Stephanie's DMs, wide open. Love you guys. Stay tuned for more here on the bestpoliticalshow.com. Peace.